Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back on in, y'all, to another episode of The C Report. And I am your host, Mr. C, otherwise known as Michael Aaron Gossetis, coming to you live on this Tuesday, May 24th, 2022. Ladies and gentlemen, my gosh, my golly, what a day it has been. It's been quite... Quite a busy, busy day on all fronts, ladies and gentlemen, on all fronts, of course. Today we had our uh, primary races uh, for the um, November um, the November midterm elections, ladies and gentlemen, happening in about uh, four states today. That was just one of the things going on, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we also had, it seems, um, uh, of course, the continued... Uh, Durham Sussman trial case stuff going on. We had World Economic Forum stuff going on, ladies and gentlemen. And in between all of that, we had a deadly mass shooting here in the state of Texas. Sorry, I'm still trying to get myself together, ladies and gentlemen. It's been quite a busy day. It's been quite a busy day. It's a kind of a day that, uh, you know, on top of voting early this morning and doing everything else I had to do, as well as uh, taking care of some of the uh, behind-the-scenes work that I do here at the Sea Report, it has just been a crazy, crazy day. Ladies and gentlemen, and trying to keep up with all of the news and information that's coming up to the minute, we went on a little bit late today so that this way I could get you guys uh, as up-to-date uh, information as far as our primary races are going, guys. We had them in uh, Georgia, Alabama, Arkansas, and uh, also Texas had their uh, runoffs for the primaries today as well. That's right. I was out there. I think I think I was probably the second or third one to vote this morning at about around 7 a.m., uh, getting myself out there as early as I could. Oh boy. So we'll definitely talk about some of the races today. A lot of the results are already coming in. You know, not much can be said about uh, states like Pennsylvania's U.S. Senate, Senate race when we're talking about, you know, Texas already decided their primaries, right? And uh, yeah, Oz and McCormick are still lost in limbo. It's, I got my uh, my I voted sticker right here, right? It's not going to come into frame. Look, yeah. I voted. It doesn't say I early voted. It says I voted. But anyways, it's all crinkled up now. So uh, can't do much about that, guys. Can't do much about that. I mean, what are we going to virtue signal to everyone out there? Uh, no. Well, you know, interesting thing about stopping in early. And also when you show up to all of the elections in your local area, you get to know some of the people that run the elections. Now, I haven't I haven't, admittedly, I haven't warmed up too, too much to our election officials or those who oversee the elections, at least in my neck of the woods. Uh, and that's because uh, I just found a very convenient place to go vote that's actually like in walking distance from where I am, whereas I used to go a little bit further up the street, right? And uh, it was always kind of like disconnected at that location, at this location, uh, it seems like we get to go ahead and, uh, you know, kind of get to talk with uh, the election overseers there. I was talking to the precinct judge and uh, I was asking him if they were expecting a busy day. 
you know, today being a runoff election, you know, and he was like, well, no, not really. And I was like, well, that's a shame. Uh, apparently, uh, we only had like on our last election on the 7th, which was a municipal election, right? We'd uh, voted on some city bonds, et cetera, et cetera. And also uh, two state constitutional amendments. Um, he said like only 43 people showed up for that election in my area that um, has well over 1600 voters. I was like, wow, that is, uh, that's quite a doozy there. That's how engaged people are in my area, ladies and gentlemen. So I don't know exactly what the end result was for um, attendance and participation, at least in my precinct, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, I got to tell you, uh, papers everywhere were um were saying that uh saying that uh yeah Texas was not going to have that big of a turnout today for the runoffs I guess that's to be expected and uh of course you know then we also had this crazy shooting happening over in uh Uvalde or is it Uvalde or Del Rio well we'll we'll talk about that in just a minute guys happening on election day when we usually have the worst weather at least in my neck of the woods again ladies and gentlemen the worst weather on election day and we end up having a crazy shootout well not even a shootout really not even a shootout but uh we'll spill into that in just a few moments ladies and gentlemen we're going to start the show off talking about those events railing on good evening thank you for donating 117 gold pills thank you for being in the audience my friend always good to see you tam growl says howdy 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 tam growl how you doing aurelius Locke says georgia looks like a shit show uh, arkansas looks like it's going to the ladies yeah we're going to talk about uh we're going to talk about the governor's race a little bit or at least we're going to highlight our choice contender for the uh, Arkansas gubernatorial position, Mr. Aurelius Locke. Uh, hope you casted your vote for uh, one Sarah Huckabee Sanders. It would be so cool to have her as a, a governor, I think. But I liked Sarah, you know, throughout her work with um, President Trump and his administration as the what, press secretary. I thought she was fabulous, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Aurelius says, by the way, watching the races, so I'll be in and out. All right. Uh, sounds good, Aurelius. Thanks for the heads up. We'll be doing, I would say, psh, probably about T minus, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes. We'll get into some of the election news. And I got uh, uh, websites that are updating as we speak. So I'll get you guys some up to the uh, date information as possible. But Aurelius, you do what you got to do, my buddy, my pal. Check out those races. Bring us back any good news if you get there before us, Mr. Aurelius. Uh, Tam Girl says Kemp had to win. He's not done burying the evidence yet. Yep, and Pence is making sure he gets the job done. Pence is like, oh, you're gonna, you're gonna win this race. All right, you're gonna do everything that you can, Kemp, to make sure that you win this race, or else, you know, or else. All federal incumbents look safe. Ooh, that's not good. Not a good sign, but uh, we'll get to that, guys, uh, sooner than later. It's one of our topics for tonight. And, you know, we might as well make it an election type of night. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll talk about some stories uh, from across the yard. That means uh, we'll be uh, traveling across these here United States and we're actually going to focus on some of the primary not the primary races but the primary stories that we have been uh talking about here at the C report 
um, at length. Uh, we'll, we'll take a trip down to Arizona, right? Uh, and you know what? Since uh, Georgia is having their primary races today, why not talk a little bit about Georgia tonight? We got some news coming out of Georgia via Voter GA and Garland Favorito. You know what I say, guys? You got to find your Garland Favorito moment. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some stuff that's going on with the Oz McCormick race. That's right. Here we are, Tuesday, May 24th. Primaries are kicking off in other states, and these guys still don't know where they are going to end up. Um, but uh, interesting developments, though. Interesting developments, though. And uh, then we'll visit two more states of contention tonight. Got some information. We'll be doing like a little bit of a GOP focus slash, I don't know what you'd want to call it. We'll be talking about uh, all things concerning the GOP, ladies and gentlemen, the Republican Rhino Party. No, well, you know, it is what it is. But uh, Wisconsin and Michigan are also on the board for tonight, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, we will most definitely jump into that. Uh, before we jump headlong, though, I'd like to encourage all of our listeners and viewers to make sure that you check out our podcast version of the show. That is over at anchor.fm slash the C report or the Craport. <laughs> if you want to sound it out, uh, that's uh, anchor.fm slash the C report where you can catch uh, this pod, uh, this live stream in podcast version. Ladies and gentlemen, we are available over at Apple Podcasts, Go Ogle Podcasts, Overcast, uh, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, Stitcher, and uh, yeah, probably about a dozen more smaller types of... Uh, yeah, I shouldn't even say smaller. Some of them see pretty big. And somehow we're on Bean uh, Bean Pod or Podbean? Podbean, not Bean Pod. We're also on Podbean there as well. I don't know how we ended up on Podbean. Uh, but anyways, uh, so you can uh, you can definitely uh, subscribe to the show. Follow it for free on any of your favorite podcast players. So you can take the C-Report to go, ladies and gentlemen. And, uh, well, you know... Um, some people actually like doing that. They can keep their hands free. They can keep their eyes steady and aware and on a pivot. And you can keep the news as curated by myself, Mr. C, in your ear, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. And, uh, please also don't forget if you're checking out the show, we're live on Rumble, Twitch, Pilled, Foxhole, and, uh, Clout Hub tonight. Uh, make sure you follow us over at Truth Social. We've got our Truth Social handle right here on the screen, MRCTV, Truth Social at MRCTV. And uh, we gab sometimes too here at the Sea Report. Uh, you can follow us over at gab at MR underscore CTV. That is MR underscore CTV. And uh, typically I'll hashtag, hashtag MR underscore CTV. And I do that to provide a difference between uh, ourselves and MRCTV, which is a totally other different outfit, respectable, though not the same, ladies and gentlemen. So, all right, guys, let's just jump straight into this story before we get to President Trump's remarks. Looks like this was in Uvalde, Texas, uh, that we had a deadly school shooting. Uh, you could definitely say this was a mass shooting, ladies and gentlemen. Our hearts and our prayers definitely go out 
to our brothers and sisters over there in Uvalde, to the families of the children who were killed today, as well as the adults too. I mean, uh, this monster shot his grandmother for crying out loud. And uh, what a story to break, right? You could almost feel it coming, right? On the heels of uh, what was happening the last week. Now, you know, it's always been said, uh, and it's always, I think, been a consensus that when Democrats are in office, progressives, self-avowed communists, socialists, whatever you want to call them, right? There always seems to be an uptick on mass shootings or public gun violence, ladies and gentlemen, that, that is outside the norm of like Lori Mutant Lightfoot's Chicago or Los Angeles or New York or wherever it is that you want to, uh, you know, uh, stake your claim about uh, gun violence uh, having nothing to do with, uh, you know, a lack of fathers in the house, right? Anyways, yeah, this is a terrible story. This is a terrible story. Hey, one, two, three, his, SKG, how you doing? Thanks for gifting the can. Awaken, Mom. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good to see you. And uh, yeah, uh, Tamgrel's asking if he was illegal as well. Well, you know, I don't think he was, but we're going to look at some stories just in case I got that wrong. I was just scanning as much stuff on top of the primaries to get tonight's show together. Um, but, uh, yes. So, uh, apparently the shooter is dead, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I think he was, uh, shot by law enforcement officers. Uh, let's see what it says. Salvador Ramos or Salvador Romas. Uh, apparently there are two different versions of this name going around right now. Uh, he's being, uh, he's being named as Salvador Ramos, 18 years old. Uh, but uh, Greg Abbott in his press um, conference uh, said his name as Salvador Romas. So I don't know if there was a misspelling or a misunderstanding or maybe they just don't want people to uh, get to this guy's social media so quickly. But uh, it seems like it has happened, guys. Like they did get to that social media. We'll talk about that in just a second. But just to keep you guys updated, it says here, Texas Governor, Gre Governor, pardon me, Greg Abbott identified the man accused of fatally shooting 15 people in an elementary school in Uvalde Tuesday as 18-year-old Salvador Romas or Ramos. Ramos was a resident of Uvalde. Okay, so it doesn't seem like he was illegal. He allegedly opened fire in the school at 11.30 a.m. or thereabouts, fatally shooting 14 students and one teacher. Abbott said during a press conference. Now, I've heard 13 students and three adults, so uh, I guess that number is still kind of uh, varying at the moment. Uh, it says here, according to Abbott, he abandoned his vehicle and entered into Robb Elementary School in Uvalde with a handgun, and he may have also had a rifle, but this is not yet confirmed. He shot and killed horrifically, incomprehensibly, 14 students and a teacher. He was shot and believed to be killed by police after the shooting, Abbott said. Uh, Ramos Romas was reportedly a student or a former student at Uvalde High School, according to San Antonio News Station KSAT 12. Uh, before the shooting at the school, he allegedly also shot his grandmother, whose condition was unknown. The shooting, which was the second deadliest school shooting since 2012's Sandy Hook, shooting remained under investigation it occurred only a few days before the end of the school year on may 26th dang it was also the deadliest school shooting in texas history according to ksat many details including what could have been ramos's motive or if he knew any of the victims were unknown to the public on tuesday evening uvalde medical center said they received 13 children for treatment 
Two others were taken to hospitals in San Antonio, about 85 miles east of Uvalde, and one other child is pending transfer. Ramos is believed to have been the only shooter, police say, according to KSAT. Several students were being treated in the emergency rooms of local hospitals for injuries suffered during the mass shooting and their families were being notified. It also remained unknown if he was known to police before the shooting. Uh, President select Joe Biden, you know, I just, I don't even want to know what he has to say. Texas officials responded to the shooting Tuesday afternoon, expressing their heartbreak over the situation. Uh, Ted Cruz released a statement. Uh, Heidi and I are fervently lifting up in prayer the children and families in the horrific shooting in Uvalde. Uh, we are in close contact with local officials, but the precise details are still unfolding. Thank you to the heroic law enforcement and first responders for acting so quickly. That was uh, updated at 526 Central Time. We'll take a look at this article as well. What we know so far about Salvador Ramos, the suspected Texas school shooter now. Kind of parsing through this, guys, because uh, again, you know, uh, when, when it came to the Buffalo shooter, that thing was debunked so quickly. I don't think that a narrative is coming out of this so soon, other than the fact that, of course, you know, we had what um, uh, Gavin Newsom of, of uh, gruesome Newsom of California pushing more gun laws or, or more gun reforms, and of course uh, that seems to be uh, that seems to be the target. No pun intended. As far as that type of narrative goes, uh, obviously um, this uh, Ramos kid is not going to fit their uh, description for any type of white supremacist or, um, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, GOP uh, right wing conservative narrative, guys, that's not going to fit. So uh, kind of just parsing through this real quickly to see what type of information we got. Uh, Awakened Mom says it's up to 21 now. Uh, Tam Girl says they heard 24, 13, 2, 14, same mix up, right? Okay, like the... Well, you know, I, I, I don't want to make those kind of assessments, Tam Growl. <laughs> is not <laughs> the same thing as a grocery, as a supermarket mix-up. Anyhow, anyhow, it's not important. Uh, let's see here. Um, uh, let's see here. Uh, what do we got? 18-year-old uh, gunman who allegedly shot and killed. 18 school children. Okay, so this one is a more up. 18 school children and three adults. That seems to add up to 21. Awakened mom. Um, it says, um, at a Texas elementary school, cryptically messaged a stranger, I'm about to, just hours before he opened fire on children. Salvador Ramos was identified as a suspect in the mass shooting at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde on, Tex on Tuesday. Uh, he was killed by police after the shooting. Um, let's see here. It says, a shooter allegedly tagged a stranger in Instagram pics of guns. An Instagram account believed to be Ramos contained photos of guns and selfies of himself. The account with the username Salve8Door Salve uh, was taken down after Abbott released the name of the suspected mass shooter. Uh, the account's single grid post features three photos, a mirror selfie of Ramos in a sweatshirt, a grainy black and white close-up of his face, and a first-person shot of a person holding a firearm magazine in their lap. Uh, the same account shared a photo of two rifles laying side by side to its stories. The account tagged another user in the photo. That user um, said Ramos was a total stranger who tagged her in the gun photo and messaged her that he got a little secret. The Instagram user who said she does not live in Texas questioned why he tagged her in the pic. 
of the rifles and said she found it scary that he tagged her. You gonna repost my gun pics at Salve 8 Door directed message, direct message to the girl on May 12th. Uh, what your gun's gotta do with me, she replied. Um, just wanted to tag you, he said back. Then at 5.43 a.m., uh, he messaged her that he is about to. The girl asked about to what, to which he answered, I'll tell you before 11. He said he'd text her in an hour and urged her to respond. I got a little secret I want to tell you. He messaged with a smiley face emoji covering its mouth. He never told the girl his secret. His last message at 9.16 a.m. was, I'm a air out. Rob Elementary School was locked down just hours later. About two and a half hours later, Rob Elementary School was placed on lockdown at around 11.43 a.m. Local time after gunshots were heard in the area, school officials wrote on Facebook. About a half hour later, the school reported an active shooter at the location who was in police custody by 1.06 p.m. The Uvalde Police Department confirmed on Facebook. Abbott confirmed that police fatally shot Ramos at the scene. Whew, very sad, ladies and gentlemen, very sad uh, that these, um, these situations occur. Again, our prayers, our heartfelt condolences to uh, the families and uh, especially of the victims, but to all the families over there, really, uh, because um, uh, all of the kids are going to have to live with that, uh, that were present, guys. So here's another photo of the guy. I saw, um, I think Awakened Mom said that there were pictures of him dressed, uh, how did you say he was dressed? Mm. In a transgender clothing. I mean, that's very broad. Is I mean, unless he was dressed in, you know, like a dress. <laughs> I don't know if it, it, it just depends, really. Uh, transgender clothes, pretty broad. Transgenders can dress in any male or female, female clothing. So unless this was a woman, right, then I don't know. Uh, I'd have to see the photos. Uh, and then there are those other photos, I guess, that um, was uh, going back and forth on Instagram. I think that's all we're going to uh, share about this story, guys. It's a tragic story to hear. You know, and, uh, you know, Javed actually uh, texted me before about, you know, uh, thoughts on this uh, shooting. Of course, um, it's easy to become pretty jaded, you know, when we're talking about all these mass shootings and we're talking about all of these, uh, all of these um, uh, false flags, for lack of a better word. And I'm not saying, obviously, that that is a false flag, ladies and gentlemen, but what I am saying is... Uh, with everything that we with everything that we deal with everything that we digest as far as news and this type of information goes with everything that comes across my desk yeah it is easy to get jaded on matters like this ladies and gentlemen but um our due diligence would say for sure ladies and gentlemen uh that uh i don't have any more information than what i just presented to you guys so um you know uh hey justice song what's going on uh, Justice Song says, I'm just speculating here, Mr. C, but maybe the demons need more sacrifices to pull off their elections in the fall. Ugh, God, you know, uh, don't even, you know, just considering that today was an election day, that's the only other thing that really does cross my mind, guys, is um, this situation uh, can and looks like it is totally organic, right? We don't know. Uh, we don't know what this kid's motivations were. Right. He says, I'm a, I'm a air out or I'm a air off. You know, it sounds like he had a, 
he might have had some type of, uh, I don't know, um, a fight or some type of, um, you know, um, a disagreement with the school or with America or with Uvalde. We don't know, guys. We don't know. But uh, definitely, for sure, that is a distraction. I mean, uh, thinking, thinking about that this morning, I went to go vote at an elementary school. And, in, you know, why an elementary school? You know, why an elementary school? I mean, it just it makes no sense, guys. It makes no sense. But um, I, I, I dare say that's not the reason why Texans didn't go out to vote today. You know, because that actually Uvalde was actually mentioned in an article that I was prepping to share about a low Texas turnout for the runoffs. No mention of the shooting in that article. So I don't know, guys, I couldn't tell you, could not tell you. I mean, there are other things that I'm aware of kind of off to the side that I've never talked about here on the air, guys. And so I don't think it would be appropriate to start airing out those uh, speculations at this time, ladies and gentlemen. But, you know, this is definitely going to... uh, at least, at least when you're in the frame of thought that you never let a tragedy go to waste, like the deep state, the globalists, all these sickos in office and politicians tend to run with. Um, yeah, we, they're definitely they're definitely going to be able to kind of uh, push all of the elections as well as election news and fraud that's being uncovered almost every day now on the back burner, at least in the headlines. And I'm not saying that that was the motive of this shooting but what i am saying is it will serve well as a point of exploitation for the legacy news ladies and gentlemen all right guys so that is uh that is breaking news no we didn't break it we didn't make it but we are sharing it letting you guys know that's the situation on the ground here in texas at this moment good evening sean joe thank you for gifting the cookie good to see you in the audience as well yeah yeah, they always die at the schools, and that's the worst part, you know. And that's the worst part. You know, that's why, like, uh, the other day on um, Lone Star News, we shared a show. I mean, we shared a show. We shared a story about how um, there are there's a couple of school districts now in uh, the San Antonio area that actually allow their teachers to um, be armed, you know, in classroom, right? Uh, and this, you know, actually, this event should be a speaking point for that, right? You know, let's let's take it to the other side. You know, let's let's start talking about why we need to have that ability within our schools because um, eighteen kids, guys, eighteen children, you know, eighteen children that did not need to die. I think that is a good argument for arming teachers, and uh, I think I think uh, in in addition and or in lieu of allowing their teachers to be armed, uh, talked about having an armed guard, like one per X amount of students within the school, something that's related to a state agency. So it's not like you just have some private, you know, security there at the schools, but a state agency of some sort, ladies and gentlemen. We got people's spidey senses, C-sense is going off in the chat room, right? Tam Grell, thank you for gifting the the, I was gonna say gifting the cow. Thank you for gifting the can, tal, tam growl. I don't know where my head is at the moment. It's swimming, I guess, guys. It's swimming. Okay, guys, let's jump in to today's uh, show, ladies and gentlemen. Jump into today's show. Hey, pilled by the hey. Good to see you, pilled by the rabbit. It's been a moment. I hope you're doing well in your neck of the woods. Thank you for gifting the cookie chocolate chip with mixed nuts and dried fruits. As long as it's not rabbit pellets, I am. 
Totally good with that. Pilled by the rabbit. Okay, guys, what do we got for you? Looks like we have some President Trump statements. Yeah, we're going to be switching gears now for sure, ladies and gentlemen, as we start getting into some election news. We're not going to we're not going to talk about guns the entire night, guys. We're going to get into the election news. Got to keep that forefront. Got to keep it moving. And uh, let's see what we have by way of President Trump's statements. Let me get those on the screen. Uh, and maybe instead of saying President Trump statements, I should say President Trump truths, right? Because all of these are coming from his truth social account, ladies and gentlemen. That's where we're getting them from and uh, curating it on our own, right? Yeah, not just what he's releasing, but what we want to share here at the C Report. First one says, the mainstream media spent 24-7 on the Russia collusion hoax, and now that it has been fully debunked and discredited, they refuse to write anything about it. Their Pulitzer Prizes for coverage, which was totally incorrect, will be withdrawn. Well, they no doubt should be withdrawn, right? Uh, will they be withdrawn? Hopefully they will be withdrawn, ladies and gentlemen. They need to be withdrawn. I mean, what kind of journalistic integrity is that, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> when you're reporting the entire wrong side of the story. But of course we know that's all with intention. And I think we'll learn more and more about that. I mean, we already know it, but uh, we'll have it in the books. We'll have it officially stated in the court of law that that was probably the intention to begin with. It's starting to look like right now as, as they question more and more of these witnesses and more individuals testify from the FBI through uh, the CIA, through uh, election staffers, etc. Yeah, don't look good for, well, let's just be honest, for the uh, Hillary Clinton camp. Mm-hmm. We know it goes higher but we ain't there just yet. Next statement coming in from President Trump. Uh, for all Georgia voters, this just out. 102 Georgia counties cannot produce drop box videos for the 2020 presidential election. Thus, Video monitoring is missing for 181,507 cast ballots, approximately 18 times more than I need to have won the election in Georgia. A total of 1.7 million images were destroyed, not allowed. This is the fault of Governor Brian Kemp and Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. Vote them out of office on Tuesday. Yep. Now that statement, President Trump, right? He's uh, he's getting a little bit ahead of the C report with that statement, with that truth, because uh, we'll actually that's exactly the issue that we will be addressing with Georgia. Giving you guys a little bit more detail on, uh, you know, when he says not allowed, right? When when President Trump says not allowed, a total of one point seven million images destroyed. That's uh, electronic ballot images. Um, not allowed can also be interpreted as unlawful, ladies and gentlemen, because that is broken state and federal law to um, erase, destroy, get rid of, or make gone any type of election um, data until the uh, statutory time is passed. 
So we'll talk about that a little bit later on today, guys. We'll be talking about this one as well. Let's see here. It says, uh, Dr. Oz seems to be in good shape in Pennsylvania. But remember, I endorsed him very late, many days after early voting began, and it was then that he started to do really well. Also, he, uh, he, as he also did on election day. Had I endorsed him at the start of the early voting, the USA should only have same-day voting. It would have made a big difference. Regardless, should never take so long to count votes. Already one week. Indeed, President Trump, indeed. And that's exactly why. We'll see what's up with that. I'm super curious. I don't know what... I don't know what game is at play here in Pennsylvania, guys, uh, but uh, there are some developments coming out of that. And by developments, I do not mean a conclusion to that U.S. Senate seat race. Totally unlawful, ladies and gentlemen. And it's crazy, right? Uh, how many days are we until the, uh, the Oz McCormick U.S. Pennsylvania Senate race is gone longer than the 2020 general election, right? Are we already past it? Did we already pass it? We might have. I don't remember how many it was. Uh, was a 2020 like election day plus 20? <laughs> election day plus 15? I guess we'll find out, guys. We will find out. Uh, let's see. This is five hours ago from the president. He was uh, messaging uh, his uh, constituents over there in Georgia. Statement says in brief, why are at least three Democrat counties in Georgia allowed to stay open longer than the rest? I don't know, President Trump. Could be. Could be. What do they need the, uh, the, the Democrats in the primaries? I mean, don't the, don't the Democrats already have figured out who they want to take the race? I mean, I heard Warnock won his, uh, his primary. Oh, wait, Warnock is a, Warnock is a, he's a Democrat. Let's not forget. So maybe that's what, what's up with that. But I don't know. Is there infighting amongst the Democrats? I mean, I guess you could expect, uh, if, uh, Stinky Abrams is going to be eating everybody's lunch, some people might not be too happy with her. And, uh, she's had a lot of lunch, ladies and gentlemen. She's had a lot of lunch. All right, and I think this is our final statement from the president, again about Georgia. Record turnout in the great state of Georgia. Is that good for my endorsed candidates? Perhaps, or perhaps not. I mean, I hate to say it, President Trump, but, uh, well, we'll have to find out right now what is going on in that regard, ladies and gentlemen, as the primaries... We're top of the ticket for today, guys. Don't forget we had them in Alabama, Arkansas, Georgia, and the Texas primary runoffs. Now, uh, just just by way of getting it out of the way, we're going to take a little bit of a gander, but uh, the runoffs went exactly as I expected them to go for the GOP, ladies and gentlemen. So if you remember what I said yesterday, or perhaps it was the day before, uh, about uh, my predictions, right? We looked into the sea crystal ball, right? And made some predictions about the uh, about the uh, Texas AG, the Texas Railroad Commissioner, and the Texas Land Commissioner. I should have taken that prediction to Vegas, ladies and gentlemen, because I was spot on accurate in that regard. Doesn't happen all the time, but it does happen sometimes, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so let's jump into some of this uh, primary um, elections information and news, ladies and gentlemen. Again, we got checked across the board. 
Texas, Arkansas, Alabama, and Georgia today. And uh, the article that we're going to run with to start, I'm going to actually refresh it because uh, this one is doing like one of those live wire type of deals where they update it to the minute. Would you do me a favor and work with me? Thank you. Okay. All right. Uh, We got this live wire information coming out from Breitbart. Oh, yeah. Breitbart. Uh, It says here, Georgia, Alabama, Texas, Arkansas. Oh, Minnesota. What? We missed Minnesota? That was not even checked off on my board. Let me see that. See, there is no Minnesota here checked off on my board. Oh, sorry, Minnesota. Looks like I forgot to include you in the uh, (laughs) include you in the primary slot. My bad. So it says here, uh, voters in Georgia, Alabama, Texas, and Arkansas are selecting their GOP and Democrat dominees in several hotly contested primary states, um, while voters in a key congressional district, oh, in Minnesota, will select who will represent their parties in the seat. The late Representative Jim Hagerdorn, or Hagdorn, once, okay, so Minnesota just had a special kind of thing going on there. All right, good to know. Don't feel so bad. It says, uh, Georgia's banner race is the GOP governor primary where incumbent Governor Brian Kemp aims to fend off a primary challenge from United States Senator David Perdue. Uh, Perdue, backed by a former, their words not mine, President Donald Trump is one of Trump's highest profile intra-GOP fights to date, has trailed Kemp in many recent polls by significant margins, but hopes that new voters not registering in polls data might make up the difference for him. The winner between Kemp and Purdue will face off against Stanky Abrams in November as Abrams seeks to make her second bid for the governor's mansion as the Democrat nominee. Okay, Uh, Trump has many other endorsements on the line in the Peach State. He's got a lot, actually, Uh, and he faces several tough races where he has made his most aggressive slew of picks yet. From those in the Secretary of State race to contested congressional primaries to many other down-ticket races and more, Trump has also backed former NFL running back Herschel Walker for U.S. Senate, whom I believe took the race, and Walker is expected to easily win. Walker will face Ralph Warnock, I mean, sorry, Raphael Warnock in November's general election in Alabama, We have a three-way U.S. Senate primary um, that will likely eliminate one contender as the other two advance to a runoff a month from now. Trump had previously endorsed Representative Mo Brooks in this race, but rescinded it later when he was performing badly in the polls against former chief of staff to outgoing Senator Dick Shelby, Katie Britt, and veteran Mike Durant. Brooks has been uh, has seen a resurgence in the polls and Durant has fallen to the point where Durant says he will back Brooks if he does not make the runoff with Brit. Both Brit and Brooks have run America First focused policy oriented campaigns, both pledging to cut immigration levels into the United States if elected. And if these two end up in the runoff, it could have it could become a race to the right over the next month to see which one can outdo the others. Texas has several interesting races to wrap up in its runoffs. We've got Attorney General Ken Paxton uh, fending off primary challenger Georgie P. Bush, son of Jeb, grandson of pedophile, great-grandson of Nazi, 
who has been much more like modern Republicans than others in his family, right? Right? You know, you know, Senator Cornyn actually backed Georgie P. Bush over Ken Paxton. Can you believe that? Well, I can believe that because everyone knows Senator Cornyn is the oldest rhino in Texas history. Well, maybe not the oldest, but one of the longest lasting rhinos in Texas, um, Texas legislative history. Anyhow, uh, we also had here, ladies and gentlemen, uh, they, they decided to bring up Henry Sioler or Quaylar, however you want to pronounce it, whether you're from, uh, whether you speak, speak a Spanish or not. Uh, but uh, Hen- Henry Cuellar, right? Now, this is a Democrat, okay, um, that they mentioned. But, you know, it's actually interesting because he, uh, he was very vocal about ta- attacking the Biden regime about uh, the open borders here. And because, I mean, he, he is a border, he is a border representative, you know. Uh, so he was actually one of the only, if not the only Democrat who is vocal about Biden's broken wall. And uh, he got raided. He got raided. He got investigated. He's got people running against him. So it's interesting. Uh, he's got a socialist running against him, right? Now, of course, I don't blo- I don't vote Democrat, but uh, just an interesting side story, right, about the mentioning of Representative Henry Cuellar. Uh, let's see here. Uh, what else do we got for you guys? In Arkansas, we got Senator John Boozman. Okay, he's fending off a pair of primary challengers. Uh, Boozman is expected to win, but how close this race is could say a lot about the future of the party. Uh, they didn't mention Sarah Huckabee Sanders. And then, of course, in Minnesota, several Republicans are vying to replace the late Hagedorn. Hagedorn and this race could also say a lot about the future of the party. OK, so here's some live updates, I guess, as of 750 Eastern time. They had Senator Ralph Raphael Warnock winning his primary uh, let's see, with about five percentage points reporting or five percent reporting in the governor primary in Georgia, Kemp is leading more than 50 percent as the governor is 73.1 percent to produce 22.5. Uh, let's see here. We had a uh, secretary of state, Brad Raffensperger in Georgia, running far below Kemp in the early returns. Uh, but this race could get interesting and is worth tracking closely as the night progresses. I would say that's for sure. Because we have Jody Heiss, who is running against Brad Raffensperger, after all. And Jody Heiss is a member of the Secretary of State's coalition, right? Who is uh, doing all that they can to ensure election integrity returns, along with honor and respect, right? To the office of Secretary of State, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so, yeah, these uh, I guess these updates only get earlier on in the evening as we go down again with Kemp and Purdue their totals. We'll take a look at uh, some of the uh, information that's a little bit more up to date. Uh, appears at 713, President Trump made a final call of uh, a roster, right? He did a final call on his endorsees. In Alabama, he had uh, Jerry Carl, Barry Moore, Mike Rogers, Robert Adderholt, and uh, Gary Palmer. Okay. So that was, I guess, uh, for their districts over there. Arkansas, John Boozman, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, Tim Griffin, Rick Crawford, Bruce Westerman. Georgia, with the full slate here, David Perdue, Burt Jones, Jody Heiss, John Gordon, Patrick Wick, Herschel Walker, Buddy Carter, Jake Evans, Andrew Clyde, Vernon Jones, Barry Loudermilk, Rick Allen, and Marjorie Taylor Green. 
Uh, 7.15, it says, uh, the first votes are showing up in Georgia's results according to the New York Times in the Senate GOP primary where Herschel Walker has, an, as, has, as expected, taken a commanding lead out of the gates. He is just shy of 80% to start the night. That's pretty great. That's pretty good for Herschel Walker. Everyone knew that he was going to take it. Okay, so uh, let me see here. That is that little bit of information. What do we got next on the board? All right, here is uh, Georgia elections. Um, Herschel Walker wins GOP Senate race. Kemp leads in governor's race. Raffensperger Heist race is even. What? Uh, so it says here, the polls closed in Georgia in the last hour in Georgia. <laughs> their words, not mine, right? Voters will cast their ballots in primaries for governor, the U.S. Senate, the Secretary of State, the House of Representatives. Uh, let's see here what we got. It says that uh, Herschel Walker leads all GOP contenders by a huge amount. Update, they called the race for Herschel Walker. After 40 minutes, he will face Marxist Raphael Warnock in the general election. So there you go. Herschel taking it at 73%. Ladies and gentlemen, hey, Biblicist, what's going on? Good to see you. Good to see you. <laughs> Trying to hold out that C note, I see. Uh, Brian Kemp uh, is leading David Perdue early. That's a pretty uh, that's a pretty drastic or dramatic uh, difference right there, 75 to 21 percent, right? Let me see if we can't get anything a little bit more updated than that as far as governor. I'm sorry, as far as Georgia goes, okay. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, what what can we do but speculate exactly what the heck is going on over there, right, in Georgia with this governor's race? Do you think that the people of Georgia really, really, really want another term of Brian Kemp, right? Or do you think it had anything to do with uh, Pence popping in? I don't know. What do you guys think? What do you guys think? Do you think that there is some uh, fraud afoot? Uh, this ain't actually kind of, um, nope, 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 nope. They got a lot of, uh, there's just a lot of information here. Okay. Um, let me, uh, pop back over to, uh, my search here, ladies and gentlemen. Georgia primary 2022. Let's see if we have anything with like running polls. Fox 5 Atlanta. Ah, uh, you can't do anything better than the local, right? Or can you, ladies and gentlemen, can you? I don't know. Um, all results can be found here. Okay, I'll pop this on the screen real quick for you to see. Ladies and gentlemen, this is at least preliminary speaking. There's no telling if any of these races are going to end up like Pennsylvania. They very well could. After all, they very well could. Um, let's see if this box would stop being stuck. There we go. Okay, there we go. All right, we got a little bit of movement here. Actually, this would probably be a good time to reset my clock. I'm pretty sure that's coming up as well. The ads on this thing are just slowing this down, ladies and gentlemen. Come on, then. Let's get going.
give me a moment, ladies and gentlemen. My computer has fro- there we go. Okay, that's a little, <laughs> that's something, that's someone, that's somewhere. All right, here we go, guys. Let me check my clock. Oh, we're, we're doing fine. We got, what is this? What is going on here? Wow, we have some gremlins in the house today, ladies and gentlemen. That might explain what, uh, what's, uh, yeah, apparently we want to go visit Ohauwu. I don't know where that is, guys. I'm not a worldly man. I am a simple man, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Apologies here. That's why we don't do things so live on the live show, right? We got to get this stuff figured out beforehand. There we go. There we go. There we go. Okay, much better. Uh, or not. I don't even know if I could understand this. Uh, if I could understand this uh, here graph, ladies and gentlemen. Here, maybe you guys can figure it out. All right. So uh, that's uh, the Raphael Warnock race, right? Herschel Walker takes it at uh, 69.4%, but only 58.6% of the votes have been counted. Uh, they've already declared it for uh, Brian Kemp. His race was called at 7.30 p.m., which is about an hour and a half ago. Well, if you're at central time, it's longer. Purdue had 22.6%. Now, you see, this is exactly what I saw here in Texas, right? With uh, Governor Abbott and uh, his challengers. It was like a super huge number for known rhinos and all of the challengers. And David Perdue, I think, should have done a little bit better than 22%. Don't you guys think? Yeah, Awakened Mom says, I don't think that Georgia residents want Kemp. I don't either, you know? And I think that there was a bigger push against Abbott also in Texas, you know? But a dramatically huge win for, you know, the rhino crew, right? Kemp, Abbott... I know Ducey's not running, but, you know, Ducey was hanging out with them, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and, and and almost insulting numbers, right? Like, that's a huge insult, right? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what kind of shenanigans they're pulling over there. But hopefully voter GA can get to the bottom of it, guys, because uh, that's ridiculous. That is honestly a ridiculous. You know it would be higher, at least, at least a little higher, right? I guess they really don't want there to be any type of a way for them to say, oh, 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 Oz and McCormick in Georgia, right? Gotta be what that's all about. Uh, let's see here. Um, I was gonna say, oh my goodness, McCormick, but that's uh, McCormick of Georgia. Never mind. Okay, so <laughs> where is my Secretary of State race? That's what I want to see. Oh, Vernon Jones appears to uh, not be in the winning position against Mike Collins. All right. Well, you know, we knew that that was going to be a tough race anyways for Vernon to win. Um, let's see here. What else we got? Marjorie Taylor Greene takes it at 70%. Now, you see, that's something that I would expect to see, right? At 70%, Marjorie Taylor Greene maintains her seat. Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones seems to be in the lead over there, so that's pretty good, right? That's another President Trump endorsee. 51% of the vote. Uh, Lieutenant Governor. Oh, that's for the Democrats. Not interested. Brad Raffensperger, really? 51% of the vote with 34% of the vote going to Jody Heiss. Now that is just, 
Kemp was like, we'll get you in the lead, but we're not going to give you as big of a lead as I have. Terrible, terrible. The Secretary of Snakes and the uh, the terrible governor over there. You're right. They're probably just going to be uh, carrying out the rest of their fraud, right? Making sure that they get past the finish line, as it were. We'll talk about Georgia in a little bit, guys. We'll talk about Georgia. Um, okay, I think... Well, those are the biggest races I was looking at in Georgia, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but, well, there you have it. There you have it. Awaken Mom says, maybe the plan is to replace the Secretary of State as the goal and to expose Kemp on the stage based on Trump's conversation with Kemp. Ah, you know, could be, could be, could definitely be, you know, um... Catch them with their pants down or pants them, right? We're going to pants them. I mean, uh, Brad Raffensperger enough. You guys know I talk about Brad Raffensperger enough. You think he was living rent-free in my head. You know? Ah, man, I tell you what. Well, you know what? You know what? I guess just like uh, with with illegitimate Joe, right? You know, I'd rather push towards decertification, you know, uh, but, um, not for him to be replaced in 2024 because we got to catch him with his pants down. So there you go, guys. There's Jody Heiss. There's Brad Raffensperger. It looks like the liberal Democrat in conservative clothing, Bradford Raffensperger will once again be able to cheat, steal, and lie about elections and, um, and, and live to tell about it, ladies and gentlemen, Bradford Raffensperger, Jody Heiss. Dang, that's a hit on the coalition. All right, let's jump over to Arkansas and let's talk about Sarah Huckabee Sanders leading in Arkansas's governor primary for the GOP. All right, we're fans of Sarah here at the Sea Report, so uh, let's uh, see what this article has to say. Uh, about Mrs. Sanders. Um, okay, so 73.20% of the vote went to Sarah Huckabee Sanders. That sounds pretty good to me. Uh, polls have already closed in Arkansas. They had a full list of contenders, it looks like. Let's see what the article says. Uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders is poised to secure the Republican nomination for governor in Arkansas to succeed outgoing Governor Asa Hutchinson on Tuesday. Sanders, the daughter of former Arkansas Governor Mike Huckabee, previously served as White House press secretary under the Trump administration for nearly two years from July 2017 until July 2019 after leaving the White House. Sanders served as a Fox News contributor before launching her campaign for governor. Sanders largely cleared the field of serious competition for the Republican nomination and leads her only opponent, radio host Francis Doc Washburn, by a wide margin in the polls. All right. Sanders says of her campaign goals, we want to tackle making Arkansas the best place to live, work and raise a family. And we're going to get uh, to work and roll up our sleeves very quickly to make that happen. All right. Arkansas is a runoff state, meaning that the top two candidates will advance to a June 21st runoff election. And uh, that's if no one secures over 50 percent of the vote. Sanders is certain to win the general election in deep red Arkansas, which voted for President Trump over Joe Biden. 
27 points in 2020. I think that we should still canvas Arkansas. In fact, I was actually looking into that. There uh, seems to be some type of activity happening over there in Arkansas. Ladies and gentlemen, all right, that's going to move us right over to the Texas primary runoffs. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's Mr. C from The C Report, and I'm stopping in for just a sec to encourage you guys to head over to thecreport.com. At thecreport.com, you can get more information on The C Report, check out episode resources, follow our blog and get new articles every week, join our mailing list, and stay abreast on the latest news and information. That's right, head on over to thecreport.com. That's www.thecreport.com. And be sure to follow us on our social medias, Truth Social, Rumble, Twitch, Clout Hub, and Pilt.net. So we have the Texas primary runoffs that occurred today. My, uh, my being was up at 7, 6.45 this morning, ladies and gentlemen. I don't get up that early without breakfast, right? <laughs> Anyhow, so uh, went on over, cast the vote, did my thing. Um, only four, only four, uh, four um, uh, races to uh, vote on for myself, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, we had district people, senator people running. It was it was a pretty big runoff, but um, again, we're going to focus on just the three primary uh, runoff races. Um, again, that being, of course, uh, Ken Paxton versus Georgie P. Bush, son of Jeb, grandson of a pedophile, great-grandson of a Nazi, right? Um, the Texas Railroad Commissioner, which saw a liberal and conservative clothing Sarah Stogner taking on crooked incumbent Wayne Christian, and as well, the Texas Land Commissioner race, which saw Rhino Don Buckingham taking on grassroots Timothy Wesley, Dr. Timothy Wesley. Now, um, I called it, and uh, it's just because you can kind of see the tea leaves, ladies and gentlemen, before they hit the tea. If you, I don't know. I don't even know how the tea leaves things work, right? Anyways, so I don't know, guys. I don't, I don't read the future. Uh, but Texas uh, primary runoff elections. So uh, let me actually uh, update this page real quick, just in case any changes have been made to it. And we'll get right to it, ladies and gentlemen. Bringing you that r a primary information. Yep, trying to catch it all tonight. That's why we came on a little bit later. Okay, so our results. Looks like we have Ken Paxton just slaughtering son of Jeb, grandson of a pedophile, great-grandson of a Nazi, Georgie P. Bush, taking 67.7% of the vote. Excellent, excellent. Exactly what I thought would be the case. Ladies and gentlemen, some strange... Uh, oh, there's poison in the water, guys. Look out, poison in the water. Anyways, okay. So yeah, the Attorney General, uh, we're not even concerned about the um, Democrat side of that because I'm pretty sure Paxton will slaughter come November. I mean, look at, they had what? A total of uh, 3,000, 300,000 votes on the Democrat side and a total of uh, almost 700,000 voters on the Republican side. So uh, I think we can do the math there, guys. Uh, apparently, Lieutenant Governor had a runoff as well. Not interested. 
Comptroller of Public Account, not interested. So Bu- Buckingham, Don, Don Buckingham took land commissioner for the primary, for the, sorry, the midterm election, ladies and gentlemen, primary Republican contender. Man, Don Buckingham received 69.3% of the vote. That's 424,000, right? Endorsed by Trump, you know? You know, we all have our differences, guys, right? We all have our differences, but well, there you go. I guess you know who I'll be voting for in November, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Texas Railroad Commissioner, it looks like the crooked Wayne Christian has taken the race, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, you have to decide between a crook, a crook, no, nah, he, he's, he's not, well, you know, he, he takes, he takes money from big oil, right? On decisions that he's making, uh, you know, uh, for, um, you know, families and, and land and stuff like that, right? Hey, crooked, crooked, right? I mean, it is, it is the name of the game here. It seems with, uh, these politicians and big oil, big energy, uh, you know, this man is, you know, partially responsible for the deaths of many during the February freeze for the power outages of hundreds of thousands across Texas, right? This man, that's his job. It's his job to make sure that we don't lose energy in such events. And, uh, well, we had to choose between him and a, uh, do I call her a lady, right? Uh, but, you know, a lot of stuff was really coming out about Sarah Stogner. Um, so, some of, some of the stuff I was already privy to, like her stance on abortion, being a Beto supporter, uh, but you know, she, she staked her claim in this, um, being the railroad commissioner and taking care of Texas energy is not about my politics. It's about Texas energy. And I mean, you know, the thing about it is when you're talking about, um, environmental issues, right? You cannot, but help to consider one's political points of view, Right. Because after all, if uh, Sarah Stogner were to be over there with uh, Vladimir Zelensky, you know, tassels and uh, stilettos and all, right, at uh, the World Economic Forum's Davos uh, World Health Assembly, you know, I mean, you know, yeah, that's, you should be concerned about it, right? You know, I mean, if, if she's all about the green thing, right, if she falls in that vein, and it seems like she did. So Texas made their choice. They'd rather take a... Um, a crooked murderer. Well, I guess it wouldn't be fair to call him a murderer. He didn't do his job, right? Did not do his job. Some people would still call him a murderer, though, you know. Anyhow, blood on his hands, Texans blood on his hands, Wayne Christian. Uh, I guess better that than a CRT pushing abortion having. Oh, wait, I, 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 re- I retract that. I don't know that she ever had an abortion. I just know she supported them. Uh, she was one of those hands off my uterus types, okay? Uh, And that is basically that as far as the big races. After that, we had a bunch of district races, you know, for representatives, for the House, for the Senate, some judge races, uh, district judges, um, um, some precinct judges, etc. I think uh, I think even uh, President Trump had one running. Was it in Harris County? Vidal? No, no, I don't. I think I think that judge took the race. All right. So there's your recap. Um, so did she win? Questions, Tam Growl. I have to reboot. No, she did not win. Wayne Christian won. And, uh, thank you for the can as well, dear Tam Growl. Storm's messing me up. Oh, yeah, you know, it was supposed to be stormy over here this evening. Glad it's not. Uh, 
Glad it's not. But, uh, well, there you go, guys. There you go. All right. Let's see here. What's going on in Hawaii? 123SKG. She uh, put Hawaii in the chat room. Wonder what's going on. All right, guys. So there is, I guess, a bit of your primary election night highlights, right? Made sure I got in a little late just to sneak in some of that information. We'll be sure to catch up with any questionable outcomes later on. The C report. You guys know we always do anyways, right? We always do. All right. Let's just jump on over into some more election stories, guys. Let's talk about Arizona. Now, uh, we had this story coming out of the Gateway Pundit that's rather exciting. It seems that uh, there might be some comeuppance happening upon some individuals in the state of Arizona, right? Could this have anything to do with 2,000 mules? I mean, it seems like it might have some, uh, you know, providence over some of these uh, activities happening now in Arizona. Now, I will say that the story is confirmed, unconfirmed, confirmed, right? Uh, the Gateway Pundit reports on um, word of mouth and eyewitness or first witness, possibly second witness accounts that put this um, into place for us tonight, ladies and gentlemen. So this is exciting nonetheless. Um, and there is actually some indictments and charges to fall back on in that regard. So it's not like we're totally reaching here, guys, but it appears that a nonprofit has been raided by law enforcement in connection to ballot trafficking slash ballot harvesting in Arizona. Could be the actual first very real fallout against the fraudsters, the election thieves happening in real life as a consequence of, I would, you know, again, say 200,000 mules guys are 2,000 mules because um, it really it really made the entire notion, idea, speculation real to life when they could see on the big screen exactly how these schemes were working. And then, of course, we listened to um, eyewitness testimony right here on the C Report about um, an election worker or representative from Yuma County. Um, who just spilled the beans on how um, election uh, uh, trafficking or ballot trafficking election rigging happens in the state of Arizona in the county of Yuma. So, uh, yeah, you know, um, uh, it was it was pretty dramatic. And uh, that's where some of this fallout is also coming from tonight, guys. Uh, let's take a look at this article from the Gateway Pundit. In brief, it says the Gateway Pundit previously reported that David Lada and Gary Snyder busted a local ballot trafficking operation in Yuma County using undercover cameras long before the 2020 presidential election. This information was delivered to Arizona Attorney General Mark Burnovich, who failed to act before it was too late. And if you recall, I believe it was David Lada who was um, the uh, whistleblower of sorts that gave that testimony, that auditory testimony that we listened to. Uh, was talking about how he even took the information to the Yuma County GOP and they did nothing. They seemed to get mad at him. They seemed to not want to know about it. And I believe the attorney general's office response was something to the effect of, well, we, we've received your information, but we want to further this investigation. So we're going to let the next election go as they typically perform in Yuma County. Which again, as uh, David Lada, as I recall, 
compared it to like a cartel operation of trafficking ballots in that area of Arizona. Pretty crazy, huh, guys? Pretty crazy. Uh, Now, the article goes on this way, and I have to keep it out of immersive because otherwise I can't read it. It cuts off some information. Uh, The Gateway Pundit spoke to Lada and Snyder on Friday following this major announcement. Uh, David Lada told the Gateway Pundit what he knows about the bust. He also revealed what happened when he spoke to New York Times reporter Alexandra Berzon about the incident. So I guess there is uh, some evidence that the New York Times did indeed contact uh, who's this, uh, Lada, right? This Lada individual, David Lada. Uh, hi, Gary. Oh, okay, it was Gary. Sorry, it wasn't David Lada. It was Gary Snyder. Hi, Gary. I cover elections slash voting for the New York Times. I'm working on a story, and there's something I was hoping you might be able to help with. Would you have a moment? My number is as follows. Much thanks, or thanks much best, or thanks so much, best Alexandra Berzon. So here's what Lada had to report to the Gateway Pundit. Lada says, the New York Times has been calling us, but once we gave them our story, they don't want it. They don't want it. Not only that, the New York Times wanted me to reveal who the person was in the movie. I told her, I told her I am not going to jeopardize this woman. I am not going to jeopardize 22 years of work just for you. Seems like they're digging for some whistleblowers in Arizona, just like uh, Bradford Raffensperger's doing over there in Georgia. Then she asked me if I got paid. I laughed at that. I laughed at that. I said, my friend, let me tell you something. Right off the bat, when I met Greg Phillips, that was the first thing I told them. I'm not in this for the money. I'm trying to fix the 2022, um, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm trying to fix 22 years of corruption and voter fraud. I have not made or I have not taken a single dime. I have not been offered a single dime, and I would not take it. Yesterday morning, there was, there was and, I, and it went on all day, says David Lada. I don't know if it's still going on right now, but there was a sting operation in San Luis, and there was a nonprofit. They got a visit. One of the employees was now, I don't know for a fact if she was arrested or if she was notified to appear in court. The only thing I do know is that they went to her job in that nonprofit. They had a search warrant. They confiscated her electronic devices, then went to her house. They searched this woman's house. There's been a lot of people that have been interviewed, and my sources, who are very reliable, tell me that several people they have interviewed already sounded like Tweety Birds. They sang. I'm not saying this to pump up Greg and Catherine, but if it wouldn't have been for their help, I think I would still be, besides Gary, I'd still be sucking on one thumb and stuck up the creek without a paddle. They have gone out of their way not only to expose this, but to help us. Now, Gary Snyder, who is a candidate for Arizona State Senate in Yuma County, provided more information on what he saw. Uh, Snyder previously worked with David Lada to bust the San Luis ballot trafficking scheme, which led to two indictments and inspired him to fight for election integrity in the Arizona Senate. Snyder said, my campaign started mentally um, started mentally in 2020 when I saw all this fraud. And actually, I recorded quite a bit. And this is how we are at this juncture right now. And then with the steal of the voting for the presidential election, For elected officials locally, what do you do? 
When me, David, law enforcement, true the vote, two, 2,000 mules, and everyone else is willing to stick their back on the line for it, it means nothing. If the attorney general or the judges are not willing to prosecute to the full extent of the law. We complain about open borders. We complain about inflation, complaining about quite a bit of stuff. But at the end of the day, complaining means nothing because the one that's going to take care of it are the ones in that seat. And if you want a better elected official or you vote well, it's not fair when you vote when you already got the vote stolen. So they already know who the final game piece is going to be there. So that should be the number one issue in the United States is going back to voting systems and, uh, and the way it's, uh, it's been manipulated and open for exposure and fraud. I was actually eating breakfast around the area and we saw quite a few unmarked cars headed that way. So we did not see the raid, but we saw the cars in San Luis. You know, you can't really miss unmarked cars in quite a movement down those streets. There's been no official law enforcement press release at the time of this article, which is dated by a few days. But we do have an update again coming out of the Gateway Pundit. The uh, nonprofit um, facilities were not raided. However, Tony Reyes, the executive director of Comité de Bien Estar, confirmed to the Gateway Pundit that Comité de Bien Estar's membership coordinator, Gloria Torres, received search warrants at the nonprofit office, and law enforcement is looking for evidence of voter fraud in the 2020 presidential election. That 2,000 Mules documentary is starting to permeate all throughout this process, said Reyes. He then confirmed that officers showed up to the office, confiscated her phone, and basically went to her house. Tony Reyes is the current chairman of the Yuma County Board of Supervisors, and they run the elections in Yuma. Reyes said, the search warrant was for one of our employees. They came and served it here, so they took her phone and searched her home. As far as I know, we have not gotten a search warrant from anybody yet. Comité de Bien Estar has not received a search warrant yet. Gloria Torres is a current San Luis City Council member and Gatson Elementary School District board member who faced a recall effort last year stemming from her political ties to Gatson Elementary School board member Guillermina Fuentes. Uh, the Gateway Pundit previously reported that Fuentes, who serves on the San Luis School Board District or District Board, was indicted with four Class 4 felonies of forgery and conspiracy and ballot abuse in the 2020 elections. Fuentes is still a school board member in Gatson Elementary School District. Her daughter, Lisette Esparza, was recently selected by the board to serve as superintendent. Man, they keep it in the family over there in Yuma, don't they, guys? Months after Fuentes was indicted for voter fraud. So, okay, so that's pretty much a big update there in that regards. They've issued search warrants, apparently, for these individuals uh, and for the information. It says here, it is unclear what law enforcement agency conducted this raid, but San Luis Police and the Yuma County Sheriff's Office have denied involvement. Sources tell the Gateway Pundit that a group from Phoenix with the Attorney General's office executed those warrants. And uh, apparently Brnovich has been asleep at the job again and is not responding to requests for comment. Ladies and gentlemen, 
That's pretty interesting, isn't it? Pretty interesting. Hey, Two Rivers, what's going on? Good to see you in the house. Haven't seen you in a minute, Two Rivers. Where you been, buddy? Where you been? <laughs> Tell you about what? Oh, you talking about the story I just read? Goodbye, Bernovich. That's right. We got a story about that. A doofus in just a minute. John Henry 37. Good to see you, John Henry. Thanks for gifting the cookie. Much appreciated. Much appreciated. So let's talk a little bit about this uh, individual who was um, who is uh, charged for four four felony counts, four count four felonies, etc. Now this is the individual here. Now this story actually broke in March. Okay, and so um, again, as the Gateway Pundit pointed out, David Lada and Gary Snyder have been fighting against this ballot trafficking cartel style for well before the 2020 election. But we seem to have had arrests early on this year. So uh, let's just revisit that real quick. I don't think we actually spoke or shared this story here. We might have, but I don't seem to recall. Uh, so here's a story on that. It says a guilty plea entered in Yuma ballot harvesting case exposed by local residents. One of two Yuma County women accused of taking part in ballot harvesting and trafficking during the 2020 primary election has pleaded guilty to her role in the scheme, which was exposed by two concerned citizens who set up a video camera near a polling station. Alma Yadida Juarez admitted to committing one count of ballot abuse by knowingly collecting early ballots, which had been filed out, uh, sorry, filled out by other people. The offense has been designated as a class one misdemeanor for which Juarez is promised a term of probation with no jail time when sentenced on March 16th of this year. Juarez, 42, was indicted by a state grand jury in December 2020 for a single class six felony of abuse, of ballot abuse. Her co-defendant, Guillermina Fuentes, would eventually be indicted for two class four felonies of forgery and conspiracy, a class five felony of ballot abuse and a class six felony of ballot abuse. The charges against the women came about after two Yuma men, Gary Schneider and David Lada, set up a hidden camera uh, in hopes of uncovering ballot abuse long suspected to be occurring in their county. Video evidence Snyder and Lada turned over to the Yuma County Sheriff's Office was forwarded by local officials to the Arizona Attorney General's Office. During Wattis's change of plea hearing, uh, Judge Roger Nelson of the Yuma County Superior Court was presented with a factual basis for the offense. It included Wattis's admission that she was given the ballots by Fuentes, 65. The plea deal stipulates that Wattis will not face additional charges stemming from other election misconduct investigations by the sheriff's office or the attorney general's office. <laughs> but we know he's not doing much of an investigation now, is he? Uh, the agreement also prohibits Wattis from seeking election to any public office while on probation. Fuentes, meanwhile, is set to be back in court on March 10th for a pretrial status conference. The case against both women are being prosecuted by Todd Lawson of the Arizona Attorney General's office. So as you can see, the wheels, they are in motion. 
Ladies and gentlemen, and really that's what you need when we're talking about these next steps, right, for 2,000 mules. What are the next steps for 2,000 mules, people ask? Well, it's got to go into an investigation, whether that is by law enforcement or whether that is by the state legislature or by a committee of sorts. And then, you know, the thing is with the committee, I guess it's it's it goes even longer because then it goes over to the law enforcement's office or the AG's office, and then they have to do their investigation. And then before you know it, Attorney General Brnovich is just, you know, teaching everyone in the state house how to play nunchucks. You know, that's just the way it goes. Speaking of Brnovich, let's take a look at his bid for Arizona U.S. Senate seat, ladies and gentlemen. It doesn't seem like Brnovich is doing too well. And you know what? He deserves it, ladies and gentlemen. He absolutely deserves to lose that race. There ain't going to be no kind of faith in a man who cannot prosecute when you have, right before your very eyes, Brnovich, all of the evidence you need, including what? The, the individual who actually deleted the data with the camera, with the date and the time, with that person on the computer doing all these shenanigans, right? And you can't even do that? Really, Brnovich? I mean, really, Brnovich, really uh, insane, guys, insane. It is insane. Yes, uh, John Henry 37, Marjorie Taylor Greene took the win, lady, uh, uh, sorry, John Henry. Um, what is this uh, going on here in uh, the chat room? Oh, hey, Red Pill 66, yes. Thank you for popping in with that um, belated update, right? Uh, we already covered the primaries. Um, where were you? No, just kidding. Yeah, Marjorie Taylor Greene won in Georgia. Yes, yes, yes. We are very happy. She deserved it. She will now be going on to her sophomore term, right? Sophomore term as an elected representative, because that is what she is. She represents her constituency, right? She is not an official. <laughs> Um, two, two rivers throws in Columbia had their elections today too. Awesome. Well, you know, uh, down there in South America, right. Uh, which is slowly creeping up to, uh, North America, the way they run elections. Yeah. I saw a headline about it, two rivers, but, uh, the plate was too full as it were already. So we'll, we'll, we'll get back to talking about some of the international stuff, guys. Let's not forget Brazil has their presidential election, in October, right? So anyhow, and we've already started to resuscitate and revive those stories, ladies and gentlemen. Now, you've been reading the headline this whole time, okay? Blake Masters takes the lead over Brnovich in the Arizona U.S. Senate race. Justly so, ladies and gentlemen. I'll be honest with you. When I first saw Blake Masters, I don't know if I really thought too well or highly of him, but uh, Brnovich, really? Yeah. Okay. So now you know where I stand in that regard, guys, in case you remember that episode, right? Uh, exclusive poll, Blake Masters takes lead in Arizona GOP Senate primary. Blake Masters has taken a clear lead in Arizona's Republic U.S. Senate primary, edging past Attorney General Mark Brnovich and businessman John Lamont. <laughs> <laughs> Not to be confused with uh, Lamont uh, from uh, CNN, right? A new poll provided exclusively to Breitbart ahead of its public release shows. The poll conducted for the Pro Masters Super PAC, Saving Arizona PAC, shows Masters with a four-point lead over both Brnovich and Lamont, not Don Lamont. Masters at 22% leads both Brnovich and Lamont, both of whom are at 18%. 
by more than the poll's 3.4% mar uh, margin of error. Another candidate, Mick McGuire, is down at 7%, and Justin Olson is at 2%, while 34% are undecided. The poll conducted by the highly respected Fabrizio Lee and Associates from May 17th to May 18th ah, surveyed 800 likely voters ahead of the forthcoming August 2nd primary. The polling firm is highly respected in that it accurately captured several other major races this cycle, including most notably accurately portraying the Ohio GOP U.S. Senate race primary in the lead up to J.D. Vance's victory there earlier in May. The firm has also conducted polls for President Donald Trump. I wonder what their poll said in 2020, right? Makes you wonder, right? Do you think that they called it for Trump and that they were sorely defrauded? Yep, right. Lost some credibility because of that fraud. Man, I tell you, that fraud runs deep, ladies and gentlemen. It goes everywhere. Everyone was effect affected by it in some way or another. Look at us now. Uh, let's see here. According to uh, Fabrizio, um, the pollsters over at Fabrizio, Lee, and Tunis, it says that we found that Blake Masters is quite popular with the Republican primary voters in as far as he is known and continues to lead in the GOP primary for U.S. Senate. Buoyed by those who are aware of recent ads about him, underlying the efficacy of uh, ProMasters communications being delivered to the Republican primary voter electorate. So this poll comes on the heels of a previous survey from March that also showed Masters in the lead, but inside the margin of error back then. Now his lead is convincing and just outside of the margin of error, meaning Masters has now emerged as the undisputed front runner in the lead up to Memorial Day weekend in the final two months of the campaign. The poll also found that Blake Masters has high favorability ratings with 42% viewing him favorably with only 18% viewing him unfavorably, a number that rises even higher among those who have recently seen ProMasters advertisements. Among those who have seen the ads, his favorability rises to 57% and his unfavorable rating only rises to 26%. Among those who have seen Masters ads too, he takes an even more convincing lead over Brnovich and Lamont. In that subgroup, Masters leads the field even more so at 31%, with Lamont at a distant second place, down at 21%, and Brnovich at the tail with just 19%. The survey also found that Trump remains incredibly popular among Arizona Republicans, with an approval rating of 88% and just 11% who disapprove basically unchanged from the earlier survey in March. That is a photograph of Jim Lamont. Again, not related to Don Lamont in any ways, ladies and gentlemen, not related in any way. This reputable polls release also comes as Breitbart News has learned Lamont's team intends to release a not so reputable push poll to try to counter the narrative that Masters is taking off. Screenshots of the online poll, which is reportedly being done by Lamont's team under the banner of Remington Research Group in the same manner in which Lamont has previously released such polls and other failing candidates like Ohio's Josh Mandel, um, yeah, Josh Mandel and Missouri's Eric Schmidt and others have done. And it shows them testing several attacks against Masters. 
All right. Very interesting. Goes on to talk a little bit about uh, Trump and Vance and Peter Thiel. We won't waste our time there, but you know what? Yeah. Bernos, uh, Bernos, Bernovich did it to himself, guys. He did it to himself. He hit himself with his dumb chucks. <laughs> Damn, girl. I was like, what's she trying? Dumb chucks. He, he whopped himself in the head, guys. I mean, I'm telling you, maybe, maybe he hit himself in the head too many times, right? Practicing, and that's why he uh, couldn't figure out what the heck to do with um, the... Uh, election audit information that he had that was given to him with the utmost confidence of the uh, Arizona voter by the, by way of the Senate. I mean, I'm telling you guys, it's pretty, it is pretty bad guys that, uh, he was gonna, he was just like, uh, who's that other guy that tried to open oh, oh, McCorman, McCor Corman, right? Jake Corman, right? Yeah. We're going to use election integrity to strengthen our, uh, our platform and the races, right? And uh, over here in Arizona, we have Bernovich. Well, I'm going to release this intermittent report. It was a political piece, ladies and gentlemen. Bernovich did not release that intermittent report other than for the fact to try and restore some confidence in his race by the people of Arizona. It might have worked for 48 hours, but uh, as soon as he hit that, uh, as soon as he hit that uh, interview circuit, ladies and gentlemen, and he started saying, uh, "I'll leave, I'll leave a nice little package for the incoming attorney general to prosecute election fraud with," I'm like, "Bernovich, really, really? We don't got until November for you to make a move. So uh, hopefully this just throws him out altogether, right?" I mean, you can't, you cannot be running another race and still hope to be the incumbent, right? In the office that you currently assume. <laughs> I bet you Bernovich wishes that it could be that way, but uh, you know, first generation American Bernovich is that is that the reason why things went the way that they did for him? Is that the reason why, right? He was like, "Hey, they're crooked in the United States of America. Everyone's a everyone's a criminal. They're all uh, they're all fraudsters. We can do this, mom, mama and papa, familia, right?" Bern I don't even know what his descent is. I think it's like Czech or Polish or something. Anyhow, all right, guys, we're gonna jump over to Georgia now. Let's talk about Georgia. Georgia had a huge primary today, ladies and gentlemen, right? Man, you know, but, you know, I mean, that's the thing about covering, you know, elections on election night, right? Primary, general, midterm, whatever, is uh, you got to wait until the dust settles, right? I mean, just take a look at uh, McCormick and Oz, right? They're still over there just kicking up the dust, aren't they? I think that they are. I think that they are, you know. And so really, guys, uh, yeah, I, I deign to bring you guys results on election night. But hey, you know what? Why not tonight, guys? We already did. We talked about it. We know pretty much the end result. Kemp, much like his brother, Rhino Abbott, took a very, 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 and in my opinion, questionable lead, right? Or win, I should say, win. That's it. That's how I feel about it. I find it quite astonishing that both of them polled 60, not, not, not poll, won 60 to 70 percent of the vote. I just, you know, I don't see it. I mean, I don't see it. I, I just, you know, and Abbott was a Trump endorsed governor. So, you know, okay, maybe that would make sense. But at the same time, um, his contenders, you know, those who were uh, running that race against him, they, they had pretty strong following. I mean, just about everyone I know was following them and not Abbott. Anyhow, uh, and then, and now you have Kemp, who has failed the people of Georgia, 
taking that seat again in office? Really? I mean, it already stinks enough as it is, right? He's been sitting at doing nothing this entire time. I'm telling you guys. All right, so uh, let's talk about Georgia. Uh, President Trump truthed about this earlier. Ballot images missing, right? Drop boxes with no video attached. What's going on here, guys? It seems like uh, more of this fraud is coming out more and more and more. Well, uh, President Trump, I, I'm not sure where he received his information from, but we got ours from VoterGA.org because they are the very grassroots election integrity organization, ladies and gentlemen, that broke this news. It was by way of their investigation, and they've been at it for quite some time, guys. Uh, last time we talked about the uh, voter GA history, um, uh, it was uh, it's it's actually quite substantial. I mean, they've been in the game since, oof, man, what was it? I think it was 2012 was their earliest press release that they've been fighting for uh, election integrity, right? They're not even Trump supporters, guys. They're not even Republican. They are for securing elections. And that's why we support Voter GA over here at the C Report, right? Love sharing their stories. Um, okay, so let's see what we got here. Now, this is a press release from Voter GA about said missing ballot images and missing video footage, right? This is what President Trump was truthing about earlier, something that everyone should be paying attention to, particularly the people of Georgia, but most definitely something that should not be out of sight or mind for the rest of us who are uh, following the election integrity information, ladies and gentlemen, and the news of election fraud being exposed uh, from Voter GA, Voters organized for trusted election results in Georgia. 102 Georgia counties cannot produce drop box videos. Huh? Go figure, right? Voter GA issues a demand letter to the state election board. Oh, all right. We'll see how uh, Garland Favoritos does it, right, ladies and gentlemen? says here, Voter GA announced today their Dropbox video survey team determined that 102 Georgia counties were unable to produce Dropbox surveillance videos from the November 2020 election. The team obtained admissions from 72 counties that all of the videos intended to monitor Dropboxes for ballot trafficking were destroyed. Voter GA volunteers made the determinations by submitting open records requests for the videos from each county. Thus, video monitoring is missing from 181,507 cast ballots. Ladies and gentlemen, very dramatic, right? I think President Trump said that was 18 times the amount it took for him to win, right? At a November 9th, 2021 press conference, um, Voter GA announced that their ballot image analysis team determined at least 70 Georgia counties were unable to produce all the original ballot images from the November 2020 election. Digital ballot images are created automatically by the Dominion voting machines or voting systems for results tabulation. The team obtained admissions from 56 counties that most of or all of their ballot images were unavailable. A total of 1.7 million images were destroyed. This is 
broken law, ladies and gentlemen. It is against the law to erase and or destroy any type of election data. Next paragraph actually uh, clarifies that according to state and federal law, all elections records must be retained. In fact, the federal law requires a 22-month retention period for election records, while state law in Georgia requires a 24-month period for election documents that are formerly considered to include video or electronic digital files. So you see where this idea, this notion, this quasi-speculation comes about that uh, maybe what the fraudsters were trying to do, and this would include Democrats and, of course, the complicit rhinos, right? What they're trying to do is they're trying to wait out the clock. It's that quick, quick, quixotic and mysterious phrase that uh, Kamala Harris kept on uttering. The passage of time. The passage of time. The passage of time. Just give us more time, please, handlers. Give us more time, please, bosses who sit up on some pyramid up there. Anyways, you get what that is about, guys? The passage of time would have allowed them to get away with this fraud before anyone decided to do anything about it. Rhinos included. And that's if they decided to do something about it. Got some rather disheartening information about Wisconsin's Republican Party that we'll talk about in just a few. All right, the uh, press release continues. When questioned as to why original 2020 ballot images and Dropbox surveillance videos were destroyed, counties blamed state election board rules or instructions from the Secretary of Snake's office. That's right, Bradford Raffensperger, ladies and gentlemen. Um, let's see here. It says a state election board rule 183-1-12-.13C tells election superintendents they can overwrite memory cards containing ballot images in conflict with state and federal law. SEB Rule 183-1-14-0.6-.14 requires Dropbox videos to be retained for 30 days, which some counties falsely assumed was the only required retention period. Now, I don't know if it's anything like what they got going on in Arizona, guys. If the system is similar, and it seems like it is because, you know, when it comes to individual states, the Secretary of State office is different for a lot of the states. It's dissimilar, right? Like, you know, in, for example, in Wisconsin, the Secretary of State almost has nothing to do with the elections, right? Okay. But if, uh, if Georgia is similar to Arizona, and I would assume they're pretty, pretty similar, right? Um, it's up to the governor... Okay, it's up to the governor to, um, or is it the attorney general? It's up to the governor and the attorney, well, the attorney general to review, and I think the governor to sign off on any elections rules, regulations, state elections boards, uh, procedures or instructions. It's up to them to review them and to sign off on it. So if they were to have read, whether it was the attorney general or the governor, if it, if it works like that, like it does in Arizona, because if I'm not mistaken, it was A.G. Brnovich who reviewed and placed into check Katie Hobbs. And then, of course, Ducey wouldn't sign off on it because it didn't fly underneath the hibernating bear A.G. Brnovich, right? His uh, purview. 
um, they would have to clarify that, right? That would need to be clarified. Like something like uh, Dropbox videos uh, need to be retained for 30 days, um, but cannot be deleted prior to the 24 month retention period, you know, some kind of clarification, right? Am I giving it easy to the county clerks there in Georgia by saying that? Uh, no, I don't think so. But uh, that is how they responded, actually. So Voter GA announced that they served the SEB with a demand letter sinking the SEB, again, that's the State Election Board of Georgia, to establish transparency for Georgia voters and to rectify these potential legal violations immediately, according to their authority. Under OCGA uh, subsection 21-2-32, the letter states that Voter GA will take legal action to ensure that uh, the state elections board will notify all counties to preserve 2020 election ballots until all litigation is resolved, will, ch will change the Dropbox video surveillance rule to preserve videos according to law, change the memory card overwrite rule to preserve ballot images according to law and seek an order to unseal all Fulton County ballots and envelopes for the 2020 election. So that is the uh, press release. And we have a statement here from Garland Favorito, co-founder to Voter GA. He says, we have proven that surveillance video for 181,000 drop box ballots have been destroyed. 107,000 Dropbox ballots have improper chain of custody, and an even greater number of custody forms are estimated to be missing. With over 1.7 million original ballot images also destroyed, the actual election ballots must be preserved and unsealed to verify election results and detect counterfeits in this still highly controversial 2020 election. An election is not legitimate when votes are counted in secret, we must have full transparency into the 2020 election to ensure that the 2022 elections will be legitimate. Well, I mean, you know, the time is ticking out, isn't it, guys? The time is ticking out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this as a point that um, apparently we still needed this to be transpiring, ladies and gentlemen. We still needed this to be transpiring, okay? It, it might sound optimistic, it might sound naive, it might sound hopeful, but uh, for some reason, there's something else that we, we need to look at. Uh, think about Oz and uh, McCormick, right? Think about rhinos involved in voter fraud. Think about rhinos involved in ballot trafficking. Hmm. Now, there's a thought that you don't get just by watching 2,000 mules, is it? Not right off the bat, no. All right, uh, so we have here for your viewing uh, entertainment, pleasure, joy, ladies and gentlemen, Garland Favorito and his press conference. Uh, it's an hour long. We're not going to watch all of it, though. Uh, we're going to watch just uh, the first portion of it, right? Uh, so this way you guys can get a sense of who Garland Favorito is. We got to push Garland here, guys. He does such hard work. And uh, definitely we admire him here. I admire him here over at the Sea Report for his tenacity and his humility and uh, his uh, grace, ladies and gentlemen. We could learn a lot from Garland Favorito. Took him like a year and a half to two years to finally say, what, a year and a half to finally say, I think that Brian Kemp and Bradford Raffensperger stole this election and they need to be held accountable for fraud, right? Took him that long to say it. I mean, he uh, 
he definitely uh, he definitely uh, maintains his uh, decorum and uh, dots his eyes and crosses his T's, ladies and gentlemen. So here's a bit of uh, the voter GA press conference where they're talking about this discovery, and uh, we got another individual joining him. Uh, David Chris, I think, might be his name. Garland will say it. Here we go, guys. Let's get it rolling for you. What am I doing? There we go. All right. Trusted election results in Georgia, and that also includes transparency, transparent election results. We are here on the eve of the 2022 primaries in Georgia. Uh, we have had quite a few problems in the primaries. We'll discuss that at the end of this press conference. What we would like to do to show you today is we've got several major announcements uh, to, to as a result of our analysis of Dropbox video sur um, surveillance. And then we'll also have an update on our cases towards the end of this bit uh, from our chain of custody presentation. He's got some more uh, interesting research to share with, with you as a result of some more uh, analysis we've done on Dropbox video surveillance. And then finally, we're going to talk about our legal response to what David is going to show you and uh, that I, I think you'll be interested in. So jumping right into it, um, as I mentioned uh, today, uh, we, will we are filing and actually have already filed a motion to restore the preservation of the ballots in Fulton County during the appeal process. As y'all may know, the uh, lawsuit filed by David Perdue had uh, put a, a restraining uh, a, an order on that to prevent those from being actually being uh, um, deleted or um, uh, destroyed after the 22-month period or the 24-month period. Since that issue and that, uh, that uh, lawsuit has been actually um, dismissed and we don't know what the status of the appeal is, we are taking action to preserve those ballots. It is absolutely critical that those Fulton County ballots are, are not destroyed because we have six sworn affidavits that there are counterfeit ballots in that those certified results they lead into the tens of thousands according to the affidavits the people of georgia deserve to see them to know uh, what's true and what's false so this preservation order that we filed will last for the duration of the appeal that we currently have at the georgia court of appeals which we're expecting a hearing on next um in the end of june uh, and it will also um, uh, last through a what we call a writ of cert, a writ of certification, should either one of us decide to appeal the decision to the Georgia Supreme Court. So that will, uh, when I say either one of us, I'm talking about the plaintiffs or the defendants. So that's a little copy of our motion. It is out on voterga.org legal tab. Uh, that's a little bit of background. Uh, we want to uh, make sure that those are preserved beyond the 23 or 24 months because we are um, coming up on those those deadlines. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to David Hancock, and David's going to talk to you about our new research that he and the team have, have come up with. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Garland. Uh, first, there's a real quick recap on what we did earlier. We went through ballot transfer forms, which were forms that were supposed to be filled out every time a ballot drop box was emptied. It's a chain of custody form for the figure that may have been accounted for about 300 and 
55,000 uh, chain of custody forms missing. Uh, in addition to the fact that the ones that we, those are the ones that we saw, the ones that we didn't see, they think there's a lot missing. And that's about 3,357. And I call this uh, uh, Dropbox days. So if a county has one Dropbox, some of the smaller counties only had one Dropbox, they miss a day that was one form or one Dropbox day that was missed. Fulton County, uh, Cobb County, Gwinnett County had a lot of Dropboxes. And so every day they could essentially miss a number of Dropbox days, a days the rule states that the forms have to be picked up, the ballots have to be picked up every 24 hours. And the smaller counties, especially, sometimes they'd pick it up and they would leave it uh, in their car or who knows where and not turn the ballots in, pick it up on a Friday and not turn it in until the following Monday. Um, missing forms, uh, if you these drop box form days that we have, Cobb County about, it's like 298 missing forms, Fulton County 384, and DeKalb 414. So we don't really know what happened, the number of ballots that were picked up, or whether there was one person picking up, or whether the person who did the collection actually signed an oath of office, which they were supposed to. We have no way of knowing that. So, oh, thank you. That's my um, Secretary of State did not keep a. Uh, uh, count of how many absentee ballots were returned via United States mail and how many were returned via drop boxes. It wouldn't have been too hard to do, but we were able to do it because what we did is we went through, they did release a total number of absentee ballots that were requested and a total number of absentee ballots that were returned. And we were able to take the total return and then compare it to the number that we got from the transfer forms. Now that number is going to be off because there's a lot of these drop box forms that we didn't have, as we said earlier. But by doing that, we can estimate that how many were put in drop boxes. So this is what was interesting. The average, if you look at the average number of forms that were received by the drop box versus mail, most counties, the majority, the vast majority came in via mail. However, some counties stood up. These were the top ones. In Cobb, based on the forms that we had, 26%, almost 27% of the absentee ballots came in via drop boxes. Now realize also that that's just based on the forms that we had. When they were missing a lot of these forms, we, we don't know how many ballots were unaccounted for on those forms. Clark was 25%, Chatham 25%, DeKalb 22 Talbot 21 and Gwinnett was 21 also. Um, Dropbox surveillance video. This is something that we've been working on for a while too. This is very difficult to get. There's about 102 counties that cannot produce Dropbox video, surveillance video. That was also in the rule. That was a very clear thing, that rural part that they had to follow. 64% destroyed all their Dropbox video files. They, they didn't keep them. Uh, the election material is supposed to be retained, as it says on almost every slide here. 22 months and 24 months, federal law, 22 months, state law, 24 months. And last year, we were trying to get these files, and they were not to be found. Uh, 181,500 election ballots were collected with no monitoring, as best we can tell. So that's, and these are the counties right here. The counties in red have lost or destroyed their video uh, surveillance files, and the ones in green still have them retained. We collected as many as we could before the, they started getting rid of it, but by the time we started trying to get a hold of it, it was too late. Good? Thank you, David. So the bottom line of what is new that you haven't heard before is 
181,000 ballots had no monitoring. 102 counties out of 159 destroyed their Dropbox uh, surveillance, which obviously conflicts with both federal and state law. So in addition, you may remember from when David Cross was here and he provided the analysis of the ballot images. Will you remember that we told you that 70 counties destroyed their ballot images? And the total on that was 1.7 million original ballot images destroyed, again, conflicting with both federal and state law. How did this happen? Well, the counties, although they are responsible no matter what, they wanted to blame the Secretary of State's office and the State Election Board. And they had evidence to back them up. The, uh, this is an email that you might remember we showed you where the ballot images were on the memory cards. And here, the former State Elections Director, Chris Harvey, told them to, yes, go ahead and reuse the memory cards uh, in uh, obvious conflict and we, what we believe is a violation of both federal and state law. This was produced by our open records request team. Another one we found from down in, in Bibb County, the same thing that they were told by another uh, individual, a key, the, the key individual in the Secretary of State's office, Michael Barnes, that you can clear the CF cards when you are ready. These uh, instructions appear to be in direct conflict with both federal and state law coming out of the Secretary of State's office. In addition, we found that state election board rules uh, also violate both federal and state law. Here's rule 183.112.13c. That says uh, in regards to the uh, ballot images that upon the expir expiration of the period requesting a recount, the election superintendent may use the memory cards for programming ballot scanners units for the next primary election or runoff. Another clear violation, we believe, of Georgia and federal law. Likewise, what we also found in regards to video surveillance is the fact that the another rule, 183.114, 0.6.14 says video recordings of the Dropbox locations must be retained by the county registers for 30 days after the final certification of the election. They interpreted that as that was all they had to hold on to. They only had to hold them for 30 days. The law requires them, we believe, is obviously to hold them for two years because they are. it's a form of election record and election records must be held for uh, for two years. So these um, are the excuses we heard. And despite the fact that the counties, all 100 of these counties have liability for this, they have trying to, they're trying to pass the buck to the um, Office of the Secretary of State or the State Election Board. And in, in fairness, there is some problem uh, with the State Election Board and the Secretary of State's office claiming that uh, that's okay to do.
So with that, we decided to issue a demand ladder to the The C Report and all the shows on this podcast channel are 100% listener supported. We don't have corporate sponsors. We don't have independent sponsors. Our sponsors are you, the listener. So if you like the work we do and like what we have to say and contribute to the world of news and information and entertainment, please show us your support. Make a monthly donation to help sustain future episodes at anchor.fm slash the C report. Your support is greatly appreciated. From 99 cents per month to 4.99 per month to 9.99 per month. Every donation counts and every bit helps. Show your support for the C report and other shows on this podcast channel by visiting anchor.fm slash the sea report and thanks y'all okay we'll pause it there because uh, he's going to go into the demand letter next to the state elections board we actually got a copy of that letter so we're going to go through it with you guys here in just a sec but you guys notice all of that. So everyone here is passing around the blame about who's to blame for what, uh, whose fault is it for what, why they did what they did. Now, you know, if I saw a state elections board guidance paper that said to retain the video for 30 days, e no mas, and you just, you don't, you're not knowledgeable about your state or your federal election information data retention laws, you know, uh, to me, that sounds like it would be an honest mistake, right? Um, unless it's like, uh, it's, it's like what, New Mexico or uh, Colorado or Michigan, where your secretary of state is telling you to delete all of the information or telling you that um, they're going to do upgrades to the machines that might delete the information and they don't even want you to retain any of that data. That's where it gets, that's a little bit more obvious, but um, there were some points that Garland Favorito and uh, um, it was a David Hancock or, or Wilcock Hancock um, had brought out about uh, in regards to the chain of custody for the ballot absentee ballots and the drop boxes. And that was that the Secretary of State Bradford Raffensperger had no guidance or expectation per the chain of custody of those absentee ballots, right? Failure, right? Failure in his office. And it's it's one of the most important, if not the most crucial element of uh, getting that ballot from the, uh, well, I mean, it's no longer the election poll, right? It's it's the, the absentee ballot drop box all the way to counting central, ladies and gentlemen. So totally, totally did not do his job. Everyone seems just to pass hot potato. They hot potato the blame around. But, uh, you know, uh, CJM, hey, what's going on? CJM61 says, so Trump should be declared winner in Georgia in 2020. That's what I would say. That's why way back in the day, right, you go back, uh, you know, a year or more here at the C-Report, I always said Georgia could have been decertified yesterday. 
because of all of the uh, information and all of the exposure of the fraud. Well, you know, maybe it's not even fraud. Maybe if you want to take it from the way that Bradford Raffensperger says, he says, says it's a severe mismanagement of elections. But to the point of all of this broken chain of custody, like one of the hearings that we... Uh, we shared here at the Sea Report. I don't know if you guys remember the Shanop. This was like in the fall of last year, summer of last year, with Garland Favorito, where they showed that all of these chain, there was no chain of custody on thousands of ballots, right? And then some of the uh, chain of custody sheets had duplicates, right? Like someone was just like putting down whatever number, or like they were, it was all like, it was all for Biden, zero for Trump, all for Biden, zero. You know, it was just really ridiculous and questionable documentation. And then not only that, you know, uh, Garland Favorito and Voter GA also got a hold of the ballot images, right? And they were able to um, discern through investigation to did not even discern. They were able to discover through that investigation that some of the ballot images were exact identical matches, okay, from like the weird little like uh, bubbly uh, machine printing error, same squiggly, same dot, same place, you know, down to the ballot counts, which is why I always said Georgia could have been decertified last year, you know. Um, but, you know, you, you know, that's why I say a lot of us, a lot of us, by us, I mean, we individual states will get there our own way. Right. Arizona did a golden standard forensic audit and it got hung up to dry by their attorney general. Right. OK, something we got to watch for moving forward. Uh, Antrim County did their individual um, um, lawsuit uh, to get an audit. They got their audit um, of Antrim County, got to review the machines. The machines um, um, information did not go all the way up to the judge because that was already outside of the relief that he was providing for uh, William Bailey there in Antrim County. Got dismissed, right? Uh, DePerno is going to take it to the Supreme Court. Um, uh, Wisconsin, you know, we had an investigation of broken election laws, right? And we had an investigation of uh, how uh, outside money played into um, the elections in 2020, took that an entirely different route. Now, Wisconsin was looking at decertification possibly, but uh, well, hang on to that thought, guys, because we're not to Wisconsin yet. We're almost there. Um, and Georgia, uh, through the work of this sole, this sole grassroots organization has uncovered so many discrepancies, so much um, uh, broken law, just everything that people should be paying attention to. I mean, really, if they were able to actually get a hearing, um, not that I, <laughs> Georgia's full of rhinos and corrupt, right? But like, there could be that possibility of decertification just because of all of the uh, all of the information that uh, Garland Favorito has provided up to this point. Right. They've done a lot of the legwork, guys. They've done a lot of the legwork. So since, uh, you know, the GBI and, uh, you know, uh, the office of the secretary of state, the governor, you know, um, legislators and judges don't seem to want to do anything about any of the fraud that uh, voter GA has uncovered, they're now approaching it by going after the state election board. So here is um, a letter of demands, right? It's a notice from the Hilbert law firm to the state, um, the state election board. Let's take a quick gander. 
It says here, dear members of the board, this firm represents voter GA and Mr. David Cross, a citizen and registered voter in the state of Georgia. Over the past year, they have been involved with team of volunteers that have performed a statewide survey and analysis of Dropbox videos, chain of custody forms, and ballot images that were made public record with the passage of SB202 last year. Their analysis has been hindered in part by the destruction of videos and ballot images, which are actions we believe violate state and perhaps federal law. For example, a voter GA survey of Dropbox video availability found 65 counties have destroyed their drop surveillance videos for the November 2020 election. State Board of Elections Rule 183-1-14-.06.0145 requires Dropbox videos to be retained for 30 days. Counties acknowledge during our Dropbox video survey they interpreted the rule as meaning they only need to retain the videos for 30 days. However, that interpretation is inconsistent with the previously mentioned statute as the statute provides that all documents be preserved for 24 months irrespective of any retention requirement imposed by the rule. Thus, the rule falsely implies videos can be prematurely destroyed or overwritten. While conducting the ballot image survey, several counties mentioned that a state rule authorizing them to overwrite memory cards containing the ballot images. We confirmed that a rule promulgated by the state election board is in conflict with the statutes governing the preservation of election records such as ballot images and Dropbox videos. Specifically, OCGA subsection 21-2-73 provides that all primary and election documents on file in the office of the election superintendent of each county, municipal governing authority, superintendent, registrar, committee of a political party or body or other office shall be preserved therein for a period of at least 24 months and then the same may be destroyed unless otherwise provided by law. However, Rule 183.112.13c allows memory cards holding images to be reused and therefore the data contained therein overwritten after a period for requesting a recount has expired. As a recount must be requested within two days of the certification of an election and the election must be certified within 17 days of the election, this period is far shorter than that mandated by statute. While the cards may only be reused after transferring the data to the clerk of the superior court, the erasure and reuse of the original cards results in the destruction of the original data, leaving only the tally result. This is inconsistent with the statute, as the statute provides that all documents be preserved for 24 months, irrespective of when the recount period has expired. Webster's Dictionary defines a document, among other definitions, as a computer file containing information input by a computer user and usually created with an application, such as a spreadsheet or word processor, and something such as a photograph or a recording that deserves as evidence or proof. As such, the data contained on the memory cards clearly constitute documents that fall within the ambit of the statute requiring preservation. It is important for the board to understand the magnitude of this problem SB202 made ballot images public records in 2021. 
A voter GA statewide analysis found 70 counties have been unable to produce their original ballot images for the 2020 election. Over 50 of those countries and uh, counties admitted in writing that the images which should have been available to the public have been destroyed. That makes the activity of publicly of um, activity of publicly verifying the still controversial 2020 election results using ballot images totally impossible. Furthermore, in some cases, when images were provided, they showed evidence of apparent electronic tampering. For example, a voter GA analysis of Fulton mail-in ballot images revealed that the ballot images required to produce the election results were likely electronically altered prior to certification in many different ways. The March 7, 2021 press conference and corresponding slides on voter GA event tab. The foregoing is discussed simply to elucidate the pattern of conduct that has occurred in the past based on an improper interpretation of the rules. You are currently investigating a 36-point study from Governor Brian Kemp showing the Fulton County hand count audit conducted November 14th through the 15th was fatally flawed. This study includes seven apparently falsified tally sheets with 850 to zero votes for Joe Biden as presented by Mr. Cross in a separate complaint. The study originated from evidence revealed by Mr. Joe Rossi, Mr. Cross, and a voter GA press conference held on July 13th, 2021. It also showed that there was a 60% error rate in the hand count audit, including voter, fourth, including voter 4,000 duplicate records votes in the audit. Governor Kemp's study confirms these facts and coupled with the facts mentioned above, demand a public accounting of the 2020 election ballots. As you are aware, there are still sworn affidavits from senior poll managers and two audit monitors from litigation cases indicating there are thousands of counterfeit mail-in ballots in the certified Fulton County election results. We therefore respectfully request that the board take the following steps to conform to state law and give notice to comply strictly with SB 202 in order to protect Georgia elections to the satisfaction of all Georgia voters. Revise rule number 183.114.06.145 so that it comports with the statutory obligations imposed on county election supervisors. Revise Rule 183.112.13c so that it comports with the statutory obligations imposed on county election supervisors. Request a Fulton County Superior Court to unseal the ballots from the Fulton County 2020 general election so that they can be publicly available for inspection and place a litigation hold to preserve all 2020 election ballots and envelopes for absentee ballots for all Georgia counties until all pending litigation involving the election is resolved. The severity and immediate need to correct these problems cannot be understated. Failure to safeguard Georgia voters with these uh, protective actions will require us to file a decla 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 declaratory judgment action to unseal or preserve the ballots and invalidate the State Board of Election rules referenced herein to the extent that they are inconsistent and or conflicting with the statutes. Further, 
This is notice that all documents related to the 2020 general election and runoffs must be preserved and not spoliated due to contemplation of civil litigation as required under Georgia law. So saith voter GA, they're calling out the state board of elections in Georgia. Pretty strong words there, huh, ladies and gentlemen? Pretty strong words. And you know, it's all timely information. It just goes to show, guys, they could have decertified Georgia last year, yesterday, some time ago, guys. Uh, this one really... Uh, caught my attention. Place a litigation hold to preserve all 2020 election ballots. The time is ticking out, ladies and gentlemen. We will be fast approaching the 2020, the 22-month mark, right? Federal law says 22 months. Okay, that puts us in what? September or October? No, September, right? So by September of this year, federally speaking, most, if not all states could, whoops, Let's just erase this data. Now, like Colorado, 25 months, Georgia, 24 months. So it varies from state to state, you know. But uh, what's to stop them from uh, just going along with the federal deadline of 22 months to get rid of all of that data, right? And it's only then that your rhinos in office would start to do something about the 2020 elections when the data is gone, right? God bless these people who jumped on the ball right away, right? God bless these people who jumped on the ball right away. And there is my uh, banner for this moment. Voter GA notice to Georgia State Election Boards. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, Sean Joe, thank you so much for gifting the cookie. Much appreciated. What's going on, Mr. The Speak Uneasy? Glad to have you in the audience. Hope you guys are doing well on this Tuesday evening, right? We're almost done, guys. We only got a couple of more stories and we're going to call it a wrap. All right, uh, let's get into uh, the next topic du jour, right? We won't spend too much time here. Just a little bit of interesting updates in the world of McCormick Oz, right? Because here we are, right, past the one-week mark. I'm sure polls were closed already, right, by this time in Pennsylvania. And they still haven't figured out who won this race. Well, you would think it was the 2020 elections all over again, huh, ladies and gentlemen? You would think it was the 2020 elections. Who won the race? That's what we all want to know, right? Who won the race? Um, last I heard, I mean, Oz was off. Uh, Oz was in the lead by a few hundred. And then I heard McCormick was in the lead by a few hundred. I don't know, guys. This is just insane, okay? Uh, these, these, uh, these articles here will clarify, though. Because even though none of us seem to know who won this race, right, uh, it appears that um, a candidate, David McCormick, has filed a lawsuit that would force all mail-in ballots without a handwritten date to be counted. Really? So, I mean, if this lawsuit, lawfare, guys, what do they say about lawfare? It's the long game. It's the passage of time. That means we may not have a winner of this race until all the primary contests are completed. Can you believe that, right? I mean, talk about pulling out all the stops just to win this race. What is the driving force behind this? Ladies and gentlemen, let's take a gander. Article comes from the Epoch Times. It says a uh, Senate candidate in Pennsylvania files lawsuit forcing mail-in ballots without handwritten dates to be counted. 
Republican Senate candidate David McCormick filed a lawsuit on May 23rd to ensure all mail-in ballots submitted without a handwritten date are not disqualified in the tightly contested GOP primary election for the United States Senate in Pennsylvania. I mean, to that, I would say if uh, the people of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, or at least their elected officials, were following the letter of their own law, then these would be immediately disqualified, don't you think? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the law of the Commonwealth and elections, but I would think if it's missing the uh, handwritten date or is it the postmark? I don't know. I mean, come on, right? So it says here, uh, the lawsuit filed in the Commonwealth Court of Pennsylvania seeks to compel all of the state's 67 counties to count ballots that were received on time, but were missing a handwritten date on their envelope, the Philadelphia Inquirer reported. Under state law, ballots that were received on time, but were missing a handwritten date on their envelope would, ha would have been rejected. Well... I mean, if that is the law, ladies and gentlemen, that is the law, right? Uh, because after all, you probably cannot get even your best envelope printer <laughs> to write a handwritten date on thousands of ballot envelopes and make it look like it wasn't rigged. Hmm. Go figure. The undated mail ballots were indisputably submitted on time. They were date stamped upon receipt. And no fraud or regularity has been alleged, McCormick's lawyers wrote in their suit Monday, adding that the majority of Pennsylvania's counties had indicated they won't count the undated ballots, according to the report. The only basis for disenfranchising these voters is a technical error that is immaterial under both state and federal law, it added. So I guess that people of the Commonwealth had mass forget-to-write-in-the-date psychosis, right? They're like, oh, I got to get this mail-in ballot in the mail so quick. Oh, I'm already running late, right? That they forgot. Uh, how many thousands of these ballots are there? 67 counties, apparently. 67 counties worth of votes, ladies and gentlemen. 67 counties worth. And for McCormick to put his neck on the line like that, in the face of Commonwealth election law... One would have to wonder if the majority of those undated handwritten ballots are for McCormick himself. We're just, you know, stoking the flames here, guys. We're just stoking the flames here. You know how we do it. All right. Okay. So it says here, um, McCormick's campaign also wrote a letter to the state's counties on Friday arguing that mail-in and absentee ballots submitted without dates on their envelopes should be counted. The letter cited a ruling from the third U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals on May 20th that ordered undated Pennsylvania mail-in ballots received in last year's general election be counted toward the final results. Uh, it says here in McCormick's lawyer's letter, we trust that in light of the Third Circuit judge judgment, you will advise your respective boards to count any and all absentee or mail-in ballots that were timely received, but were set aside slash not counted simply because those ballots lacked a voter-provided date on the outside of the envelope. To the extent you are not willing to provide this advice, we ask for a formal hearing before your boards on the issue. 
McCormick is facing primary opponent Dr. Mehmet Oz in the tightly contested primary race. As of Tuesday, Oz was leading McCormick by 987 votes, ladies and gentlemen, out of more than 1.3 million ballots cast the prior Tuesday. So that's where this uh, that's where this article puts it up, ladies and gentlemen. Jeez Louise. Okay, 987 votes as of today. Really? I mean, really? How many how many undated handwritten absentee ballots are in these counties? I'm just dying to know. It's got to be more than a thousand, right? Well, anyway, so this is going to hold that up even more, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to hold it up even more before we find out who wins between Oz and McCormick. And by the end of it, I hope that we find out that they are both frauds, okay? I hope we find out they are both frauds. Yeah, they're just running out the clock, says uh, Tam Growl. Okay, well, it seems like McCormick, though, is getting a bit of a challenge. Oh, who do you think is challenging McCormick? Do you think that it's Trump or the Oz legal team on this issue? No, it's not. It's the RNC itself opposing McCormick on this lawsuit, which, you know, it's only going to prolong this matter even further, ladies and gentlemen. McCormick clashes with RNC over mail ballot counting in the primary versus Oz. Right. Like, do we really want this drama to go on any longer? Uh, like, we already want to turn this telenovela off, right? Anyway, there's got to be some Garland Favorito moment at the end of this debacle, ladies and gentlemen, is all that I am saying. Senate candidate David McCormick is under fire from his own party after filing a lawsuit to compel the counting of Republican mail-in ballots without a handwritten date on the outside envelope, part of an effort to defeat GOP primary opponent Dr. Mehmet Oz. The Republican National Committee confirmed today, on Tuesday, that it was joining the Pennsylvania Republican Party in opposing a McCormick campaign lawsuit asking the state to force all 67 counties' boards of elections to count GOP mail-in ballots received on time but without the dated exterior envelope mandated by the statute. The RNC and the Pennsylvania GOP insist their position does not equal an Oz endorsement except... McCormick trails and needs to expand the pool of available uncounted mail-in ballots to win. According to Matt Raymer, the party's chief counsel, in a statement to the Washington Examiner, he said, The RNC is intervening in this lawsuit alongside the Pennsylvania GOP because election laws are meant to be followed and changing the rules when ballots are already being counted harms the integrity of our elections. Oh, oh, that's their standpoint on it now, RNC, right? After you took all of our money, after you took every single person's money to defend Donald Trump and did nothing of the sort. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do I need to issue a rhino alert for the RNC or do you guys already get that they are rhinos indeed? Ah, heck, let's just do it. Yeah, yep, yeah, that's that's the uh, the Rhino National what committee? All right. So, uh let's finish up here. It says um even the National Republican Senatorial Committee is against McCormick. 
The NRSC has issued a statement chastising the lawsuit his campaign filed late Monday in the Commonwealth Court of Pennsylvania. A state appellate court, although the Senate GOP campaign arm has no plans to join the RNC and the uh, Pennsylvania GOP is taking legal action and claims no favoritism towards Oz. Uh, The RNSC has fought to defend common sense election integrity measures and supports prior decisions to prevent the counting of undated ballots. So saith their spokesperson. All right. And uh, according to this one, Oz was in the lead by 932 votes ladies and gentlemen, of 1.3 million. Just in case you were wondering what the actual ballot difference was in count, it's less than 1,000, but more than 930. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. That is clown world for you, working against you, rhinos. Okay, so two more GOP stories, right? Two more GOP stories, and we'll call it a wrap. These are also based on election, uh, well, election and election stories, guys. The Republican Party of uh, Wisconsin, okay? Now, they have a governor's race going on in Wisconsin, obviously, right? This primary season. Um, And the question is, who is the top contender over there? Now, I can tell you who. And it really means nothing, ladies and gentlemen. It means absolutely nothing to the people of Wisconsin or to the people of this world or this nation uh, who I would be voting for if I were in Wisconsin. Well, I would be voting for, uh, you know, Representative Timothy Rampton, ladies and gentlemen, because he has been the one who has been fighting for and against election fraud and fighting for integrity of elections from the jump. And he has done so much to expose Rhino House Assembly Speaker Robin Voss and all of his rhinoness. He's done so much to expose him, right? Like on the national stage, expose Robin Voss for the rhino that he is. He, I mean, I think he would be a great governor. I don't know what his other credentials are, but the man knows how to fight for election integrity. Okay. Okay. But it appears that now, you know, one of the most coveted, I guess, within the state endorsements, nominations, whatever, is from your own party, right? Now, Timothy Rantham has received nothing but flack from the GOP of Wisconsin. You know, of course, with the leadership or lack thereof of Robin Voss. I mean, yeah, he's leading on persecuting Timothy Rantham. But the question is, are the House rhinos, I mean, the House GOP, are they, uh, are they not endorsing any, any Rantham because of Robin Voss and his influence? Or is there something else going on? Because this is the first time that the GOP of Wisconsin will not be endorsing a candidate for governor. Even when you have someone like Rhino Robin Voss saying, we can't do anything about election integrity until we get a Republican governor. And yet they lend no faith to that race. Interesting, isn't it? Uh, Do we need to do the Rhino rhino alert for the GOP in Wisconsin? (laughs) It's okay. It's okay. We'll, we'll pass this time, but uh, let's get into this. State GOP party not endorsing a gubernatorial candidate ahead of its August primary. For the first time, the state Republican party will not endorse any of the GOP candidates running to unseat Democrat Governor Tony Evers. That doesn't sound like a GOP or a political party has any, any hope in winning, right? They're already shooting themselves in the foot. And uh, let's see, that is uh, this fall after former Lieutenant Governor Rebecca Kleefish won the majority of votes at the state GOP party convention. 
but came about six percentage points short of the votes needed to secure the party's endorsement and the resources that come with it. So apparently this lieutenant governor won the majority of the votes. So Rebecca Cleefish, lieutenant governor, who is no lieutenant governor McGeechin, right? As of Idaho, we're talking about. Um, apparently received the nomination, but did not receive enough points to get the endorsement. The first vote cast by delegates gathering at Middleton's Madison Marriott West, Marriott West, for the annual state GOP convention on Saturday was to add a no endorsement box to the state's party's ballot, an option that has been demanding, has been demanded by a growing number of the county parties critical of the party's endorsement process and establishment Republicans in Wisconsin. So I guess the grassroots wanted this as well. Um, and that's because of the way that the establishment endorses in Wisconsin, apparently. And uh, the uh, grassroots have blamed uh, the establishment Republicans in Wisconsin for losses in recent statewide elections. Hours later, the four top Republicans in the gubernatorial race, Cleefish, uh, former Marine Kevin Nicholson, State Representative Timothy Rampton, and uh, construction business owner Tim Michels, <laughs> failed to get the 60% of delegate votes needed to secure the endorsement. More than 40% of the roughly 1,500 delegates voted in favor of a no endorsement option. Speaker Robin Voss spoke at the convention. Okay, we'll skip that. Um, it says, despite disagreement on the endorsement process and continued discourse within the party over the now 18-month-old presidential election. See, we're four months away from that federal deadline, guys. Republicans tried to champion a message of unity as the only way to defeat Evers and stave off a packed field of Democrat candidates seeking to oust Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin. Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Not only does our nation need to be unified and heal, our party needs to be unified as well, Johnson said. It seems fitting and proper that our Republican voters will decide who our nominees are going to be. But Republicans' fixation on the 2020 election has led to disagreement within the party. Several county parties have passed resolutions seeking decertification of the 2020 election results something that's been described as a constitutional impossibility by legal experts and know-nothing lawmakers on both sides of the aisle, including Rhino Assembly Speaker Robin Voss, who has said he believes there was widespread voter fraud, right? He says one thing through one side of his mouth and another thing through the other side of his mouth. Um, so, uh, it says here that Robin Voss was met with many boos. <laughs> That's good. Voss was met with boos from delegates when he said the legislature has no ability to decertify the election. Voss told reporters after the panel that the opposition he's faced from some within his party is the result of diversity of thought. Oh, and now he's, he's, he's clapping that up to diversity of thought. God, what a momar. What a clown this Robin Voss is. He is so duplicitous. Ladies and gentlemen, if there was a photograph of someone in the definition of duplicitous or duplicity, it would be Robin Voss. He's like, he's like, we can't decertify, but I think there was election fraud, right? And he's like, uh, we're not going to decertify and no one likes me because of that. But it's because we have diversity of thought. <laughs> 
<laughs> and he probably passes it off just as fake as well. Anyways, so um, the rest of this article goes into highlights of the 2020 election fraud, right? A uh, statement here from Rantham um, said he did a 12-minute pitch for the party's nomination. He says, yes, election integrity is the number one issue in the state. I will never stop pursuing closure for truth and transparency to get it right so we can feel comfortable about what we do when we go to the ballot location. Here, here, Representative Timothy Rantham. I can tell you for a fact, guys, if I lived in Wisconsin, he's the man that I would be voting for. Even though this uh, Lieutenant Governor, who is no Lieutenant Governor McGeechan of Idaho, seems to have gotten the nomination. But yeah, very interesting, isn't it, guys? That's not our last GOP Wisconsin story for the night, though. Hold on to your horses. This one is fun. Check this out. The Wisconsin GOP apparently has decided to vote against decertification. I mean, they've also voted to remove Assembly Speaker Robin Voss, which is good, okay, but they've uh, openly voted against decertifying the 2020 election results. Let's see what this rhino house has to say for itself. More than one-third of delegates at the party's annual convention would like to see the state decertify its 2020 presidential election. More than one-third, right? Wisconsin Republicans over the weekend rejected resolutions to rescind the state's 2020 Electoral College votes and to remove Robin Voss as Speaker of the State Assembly. Wait, did they reject? No, they, they voted to remove, right? Meeting outside the capital city of Madison, delegates to the party, state party's annual convention adopted close to 50 other resolutions, including a call for all ballots in the state to be cast on paper and hand-counted hand on election day according to the Associated Press, so that's good. The resolutions are non-binding, but become part of the state GOP party platform. Most of the measures would require a change in law to become effective. Some GOP activists are displeased with Voss's leadership, specifically regarding his refusal to decertify President-Select Biden's Wisconsin win. At the convention, Voss reiterated why decertification was and is not a possibility. Voss, don't you know that the Constitution is a limiting document? Why don't you figure out what that means, Voss? If it's not written, it's not limited, okay? Uh, and of course, that drew harsh boos from the crowd. About 36% of the convention delegates voted affirmatively on the resolution that called on Voss to resign or to be removed from his post. The resolution calling for the decertification of Biden's win drew the support of 40% of the delegates. Okay, 40% called for the decertification. Okay, that's more than one third. The other 46 resolutions that gained approval included measures that called to dissolve the Wisconsin Elections Commission, which was created by state Republicans to impose the death penalty for individuals who kill police officers, to oppose vaccine mandates and outlaw some types of medical treatments for transgender youths. Oh, 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 okay. This is an establishment legacy local um, um, article, guys. That's why it says some types of medical treatment. They don't want to get specific about what they're chopping off and what they're uh, preventing the natural cycle of life from happening. Isn't that, is that not, I mean, first of all, that's, uh, that's wrong, right? They misreported. They said one third of the delegates 
want to see the certification, but 40% to me is bigger than one third. Wouldn't you think, right? That's almost a half, right? That's almost a half. I mean, it would have to be 33.33% in order for it to be one third, wouldn't it? If we round up, I mean, guys, I didn't take Common Core, right? So I think I'm on the mark here. Anyways, I don't know. I don't know, guys. I mean, yeah, phony Justice Song. I know that that, uh, comment is five minutes removed, but uh, indeed, isn't it? Indeed. Okay, guys. Okay. Uh, Let's see here. We got our last story for tonight. That means you made it, ladies and gentlemen, through another episode of The Sea Report. Uh, this, um, this story has to do with Michigan, as I promised at the onset of tonight's show. And, and watch out, guys. Watch out. We got a swamp creature coming to the screen. So look out now. Look out now. (laughs) Oh, no. It's wretched Gretchen Whitmer and all of her Medusa hair. Wretched Gretchen Whitmer, ladies and gentlemen, what is going on with Wretched? Well, you know, it seems that Wretched Gretchen also has a governor's race to contend with this midterm. And wouldn't you know, it seems like Michigan election officials are climbing those mountains to make her opposition weaker, right? To make the challengers disappear. Now, This is a fresh story, so I don't know if it's going to change at any point, but I thought it was worth mentioning that Michigan election officials in Michigan, not to be redundant, have decided to remove five of Wretched Gretchen's GOP challengers in the governor's race. You remember when we went through all of the challengers like a few months ago? Five of them are gone now. Five of them are gone. Uh, well, I mean, this this may be a, a developing story, but uh, this is the info that we got now, guys. If you're in Michigan, I would be paying attention. Michigan election officials moved to disqualify, disqualify five Republican cha- Republicans challenging wretched Gretchen Whitmer. All right. It says here that uh, five Republicans running for governor in Michigan are not eligible because many of the signatures they submitted were invalid. The state's Bureau of Elections reported just yesterday. Now, I wonder how they figured that, right? It says at least 68,000 fraudulent signatures were submitted for 10 candidates, including former Detroit police chief James Craig and businessman Perry Johnson, the Bureau said. Now, that's just amazing, right? 68,000 fraudulent signatures, right? It was a signature trafficking, uh, you know, uh, um, um, operation that we had going on here, right? Like, and, but yet they could not find one fraudulent ballot in the 2020 election. And don't you dare tell me that's because there were no fraudulent ballots in the Michigan 2020 election, ladies and gentlemen. We know better than that. Insane. Uh, can, can someone put up a picture of the clowns again, right? We're back in clown world. Removing the invalid signatures means five of the candidates do not have enough to qualify for the ballot. The Bureau is advising the removal of the candidates, Craig Johnson, State Police Captain Michael Brown, a businesswoman, Donna Brandenburg, and financial advisor, Michael Markey, from the list of choices for voters. 
The Board of State Canvassers will decide on May 26th whether to accept each recommendation. Johnson strategist John Yob challenged the report. He says, The Bureau, headed by Democrat Secretary of State, Snakes, Jocelyn Benson, does not have the right to unilaterally void every single signature obtained by the alleged forgers who victimized five campaigns. Yob said in a statement. What? Okay, so, okay, so Yob saying here <laughs> that there were alleged forgers who victimized. Does that mean quite possibly that Jocelyn Benson and wretched Gretchen Whitmer hired a team of people to forge signatures so that they could ultimately disqualify their GOP competitors. Dang, they fight dirty in Wisconsin. I mean, in Michigan, they fight dirty. Oh, these weird sisters. Oh, the sisters weird three. Wretched Gretchen Whitmer, Secretary of Snakes Jocelyn Benson, and Wretched Dana Nassau. Will we ever know no end to their wretchedness? I can't believe that. Because... Let's just say what this guy is saying is true, right? And I'm not just like, you know, getting off on uh, this theory here. Oh, I hope they can prove it, guys. I hope they can prove it. I hope they can prove this is true. I can't believe that. Who would have thought, who would have thought about doing, oh, let's, let's, let's forge the signature so we can kick them out of the race, right? Dang, when these people cheat low, they cheat low, guys. He appointed to the state law that says the invalidity of one or more signatures on a petition for candidacy does not affect the validity of other signatures. We strongly believe they are refusing to count thousands of signatures from legitimate voters who signed the petitions and look forward to winning this fight before the board and, if necessary, in the courts, Yob said. Johnson also unveiled a plan he said would bring necessary reforms to the petition process. Criminals are able to defraud campaigners and their thousands of supporters by submitting signatures of questionable legitimacy to be included with legitimate signatures, Johnson said in the statement. Criminals can commit fraud for money or by purposely infiltrating a victimized campaign with illegitimate signatures in a Machiavellian attempt Machiavellian, Machiavellian attempt by the opposing party to later have them removed from the ballot. Unfortunately, the signatures provided to campaigns cannot currently be checked until after their submission to the Secretary of Snakes. In the case of Michigan's Jocelyn Benson, this needs to change immediately. And there is the Secretary of Snakes, the one who's like, Trump wants me tried for treason. He wants me executed. Trump does. Right? I mean, that's what you get when you're a treasonous representative. American, if you want to call yourself that, but I don't think you even call yourself American, Benson. I really don't. Craig told the Detroit Free Press that the invalid signatures were part of a well-planned and orchestrated effort to get him off the ballot. He wants Michigan Attorney General. Good luck with that, Craig. I mean, really, you're going to go to wretched Nacelle, right? To get this fixed? To investigate it? You think she's going to do that, Craig? Where have you been the last two or three years, Craig? Come on, Craig. Come on, Craig. You know better than that, right, Craig? There ain't nothing that Dana Nacelle's gonna do, right? 
A spokeswoman with Nacelle's office told the Epoch Times in an email that the agency is not yet investigating it because it has not received a formal request for a probe from the Michigan Department of State, which includes the Election Bureau. Brown dropped out of the race, citing the findings of the Bureau. Oh, maybe that was the uh, maybe that was the ringer right there, right? This Brown person who dropped out of the race. Maybe they're like, well, you know, I had fraudulent uh, fraudulent signatures, so I'm just going to drop out of the race, right? Yeah. It appears that after my campaign signature gathering was complete, individuals independently contracted for a portion of our signature gathering and validation jumped onto other campaigns and went on a money grab. So Brown was the one, huh? They were involved in allegedly fraudulent signature gathering activities with these campaigns, causing the Michigan Bureau of Elections to declare all of the signatures connected to those individuals as invalid. I think they need to testify under oath. I cannot and will not be associated with this activity. Brandenburg and Markey did not uh, have a reaction to the report and did not respond to request for comment. Michigan's gubernatorial race is slated for August 2nd. The primary race, pardon me. Primary elections for the Michigan's gubernatorial race is August 2nd. As a Democrat... Wretched Gretchen Whitmer is running unopposed, ladies and gentlemen. Um, let's see here. In all five candidates that allegedly filed against signatures, uh, invalid signatures removed from the ballot, there are seven other GOP challengers, okay? So five are out here, seven are left. They've got Tudor Dixon, whom I think I took a shining to. Uh, Ryan Kelly, Pastor Ralph Rembrandt II, businessman Kevin Rinkle, teacher Bob Scott, chiropractor Garrett Soldano. I mean, I hear Garrett Soldano's running a very strong campaign, but uh, I don't know. Chiropractors have left a pretty bad taste in my mouth, like almost like snake venom water taste, you know? Blah. And entrepreneur Evan Space. So that's what is shipping up and shaping out. In Michigan, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you all enjoyed tonight's episode of The Sea Report. I know it started kind of heavy, right, with that uh, news of the um, mass shooting here in Texas. We'll, uh, we'll stay abreast on that situation. And trust me, I'll keep my ears and my eyes open to any, uh, any, any foul play that might be happening in that regard. Uh, but with that said, guys, uh, that wraps up another election-ridden information story or election information-ridden story, however it goes, you know. Yeah, no, ladies and gentlemen, you yeah, know. Um, and also uh, to the primaries. All right, we have, a, we have a bunch of winners and a bunch of losers, apparently. Uh, and I don't know, how do you think this is going to affect President Trump's um, um, endorsement profile, ladies and gentlemen? Because I know we went through them at the onset of this report tonight, but I've already forgotten, right? And he had a whole bunch of people in Georgia and Alabama. I think he'll do fine in Alabama. But Georgia, come on, Jody Heiss, we were rooting for you. And uh, like Purdue, right? And, uh, well... Anyways, all right, guys, that's a wrap. Let me go ahead. I'll release the scratching for tonight because you guys have been so good tonight in the audience. Love you guys. Thank you again for hanging out. Uh, if you're joining us over on any of the platforms that we are broadcasting on or if you catch the replay, make sure you follow or subscribe. It's free, of course. And then you always uh, get to catch up and stay abreast with the latest reports. 
you know, the Sea Report is a lot about election news, but we also bring uh, interesting views, I think, upon the curated information that I present to the audience. Follow along the Sea Report, Mr. CTV, at Truth Social, at MRCTV, and at Gab, at MR underscore CTV. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been a pleasure tonight. Thank you for staying up so late with me. And now I'm going to go to bed because I've been up since like 6.45 in the morning. (laughs) You guys have a great night as always. Be safe, be blessed, and God bless America. We will see you next time. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. As I like to address my audience, I'm sure that they are ladies and that they are gentlemen, right? And uh, not confused with all this gender stuff. Okay, I'm getting off of track already. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, welcome to another edition of The Sea Report. Uh, Today we are bringing you our Wednesday report, ladies and gentlemen, here over at or from the C Studios. I am your host, Mr. C, also known as uh, Michael Aaron Gossetis, live and in the flesh for the next couple of hours. And uh, we're ready to bring to you a different type of report for today. So much stuff going on around these United States of America I thought I would distract us with another distraction, so uh, you will have that coming to you absolutely in just a few minutes, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you guys are having a wonderful Wednesday. We've finally made it to the middle of the week. That's right. We've made it to midweek here on this lovely May 25th, 2022. I hope... uh, I hope all my Texas kinfolk are doing okay out there. It seems like we had 
a series of uh, pretty bad storms roll through last night. <laughs> and, uh, well, I mean, not too bad in my neck of the woods, unless you count a thunderclap only a few seconds removed from the lightning strike, right? Could be kind of scary at two in the morning. It's okay, ladies and gentlemen. I, I know up north, uh, they had, um, uh, they had like tornado warnings and all that stuff going on. So hopefully everybody is okay in that regard and, uh, everyone is doing well this afternoon, evening, wherever it is, whatever time zone you happen to be in today, as we get into the C report, uh, coming to you live, of course, over at Pilled, Foxhole, Clout, Hub, Twitch, and Rumble, ladies and gentlemen, and, uh, most definitely encouraging Many of you all, uh, if you're not part of our Rumble family, if you're not part of our uh, uh, Clout Hub family, our Foxhole family, make sure you follow and or subscribe. By all means, please do so. Please do so. Uh, we actually broke 100 subscribers over at Rumble. I know that's not, you know, uh, nothing to write home about, but hey. Uh, it is it is for me over here at the C Studios. I was actually quite excited. Uh, been working long and hard uh, to get the viewership, and uh, certainly hope that I am continuing to deliver on the goods and um, uh, uh, and festooning. Right? Is that the the right word to use? Probably not. Offering um, a show that is informative, if not slightly entertaining. I think that's my goal here, right? To be slightly entertaining, definitely informative, definitely informative. And uh, actually, that's particularly the reason why we are tackling the topic today. And uh, that is the topic of Russia and Ukraine. Oh, people are like, ah, Russia and Ukraine. We don't want to talk about Russia and Ukraine. Well, you know, I don't know. On some on some platforms and uh, by some manner of speaking, uh, I jumped early on that game as soon as it was developing. I don't I don't like to wait sometimes for a story to be fully developed before getting into the fray. You know, I don't need a green light. I don't need permission. I don't need a news director because I am my own news director here, guys, to tell me whether or not I can talk about a certain topic. Or a point of view on the topic. But, you know, I think a brief review, if not a thorough one, uh, would actually be rather telling about what was developing in Russia and Ukraine prior to it happening, right? We had months and months of military buildup near the border of Ukraine. Yeah. And so, uh, well, we did not shy away from speaking about it. I did not shy away from speaking about it, particularly in regards to the Nazi thing, guys, because prior to Putin's um, special military operation being executed in Ukraine, uh, we were running all of the stories about the Nazis in Ukraine here for uh, some time. I mean, at least since the buildup became alarming, right? Once it got into those uh, heights of um, uh, anxiety and, and fear-mongering on the legacy media, I was like, you know what we got to do now, guys? We got to get that counter-narrative out there because, after all, uh, it could be over before we open our mouths if we wait for someone to say, it's okay for you to talk about this on your live stream, right? 
And so that's why I did it. And I'm glad I did, you know. Um, the entire debate, I think, when we're talking about Western media versus independent or alternative media, obviously, obviously, uh, is uh, um, whether or not Russia is an enemy of freedom and Ukraine should be uh, uh, embraced and saved and loved by everyone from America to uh, the ends of the earth. Well, that narrative quickly crumbled, at least here at the Sea Report, because like I said, reporting on the Nazis here, IDAR, Right Sector, Azov, all battalions and political parties. Uh, so we knew something was up, guys. And I think it was long about the time that George Soros started saying, you must protect Ukraine. You must defeat Russia, that everyone else jumped on the bandwagon had to wait until everyone's favorite globalist um, nation destroyer was uh, open and out and talking about his opinion on Ukraine, right? Yeah, I know, I know, I'm, 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 I'm being a little picky here, right? Being a little picky. But uh, you know what? Uh, the body of the Ukraine-Russia debacle is quite scabbed, ladies and gentlemen. It's been scabbed since Maidan. It's been scabbed since prior to that. It's been scabbed since the days of Stephen Bandera walked the streets and the Ukrainian Nazis exterminated Jews and other folk back in the 40s, World War II guys. So uh, I thought it was, yeah, it was pretty relevant and I think pretty right on par to get in on that conversation early. And now, amidst the lengthy military operation that is still in process in Ukraine, guys. Uh, people have just about forgot about it, right? I mean, I, I was right out of the gates. I said, uh, Putin needs to go in and go out, right? I mean, I get the joke. Once, uh, once, uh, once, uh, once he poots in, <laughs> he does not pull out, right? I get the joke, but uh, we all know, we all realize uh, by reading alternative, well, actually, it's not even the alternative independence, guys, because uh, they were singing the praises of uh, Putin is a war criminal up until the point that, again, George Soros started uh, barking like a dog. Uh, it, was, it was by uh, researching and digging through international media, right, and non-globalist, non-Western back media, backed media, and that's where we got the counter-narrative to what the West is pushing, okay? Not even the independents out there, not even the big dogs, right? We're saying that, guys, because uh, uh, for some reason, when it comes to international journalism and headlines, they, uh, they seem to not be able to figure out that if uh, the legacy Western-backed media is going to lie to you in America, they're going to lie to you all around the world, guys, and they're going to feed you a story that most likely is not true or it has some kind of spin to it. You know, we used to have an international reporting day here at the Sea Report. Ah, back like in episode 150 through like, I don't know, 120 or I don't know. We did, we were doing international episodes one day a week um, sometime in the spring, fall of last year, I think. Fun episodes, but very, very tough to parse through, guys, you know, because again, you have to look for those code words. You have to realize uh, you have to realize whom the loyalties of that uh, journalism or press or whatever 
media outlet, agency, etc., whom their loyalties lie with. You know, it's a little bit more difficult, I get it, but we're not going to run with headlines straight from the BBC or Al Jazeera or whatever. Now, 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 don't get me wrong. You know, we'll share those articles sometimes. Don't forget, guys, we shared an Al Jazeera story just the other night about the World Economic Forum, Davos, World Health Assembly, IHR, etc. And uh, clearly Al Jazeera is against, you know, um, uh, all of these... Um, uh, autocrats meeting in Davos. Like, they're like, we're not gonna put up with this anymore. We don't want any of these people to meet uh, without regulation, with uh, this 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 uh, overstuffed bureaucracy of unelected control. Uh, but they had their other agendas hidden in the article as well, guys. And so uh, had to quickly point those out in regards to Al Jazeera, what was it? Something like, uh, we want, uh, we want uh, an international list of uh, all the moneyed people and we want um, uh, green initiatives everywhere. And, you know, they had uh, like two or three different things stuck in that article. And it, it, it was just to prop up the lefties out there, right? So the lefties would be, oh, yeah, Al Jazeera, um, ah, ba 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 right? Or whatever. So anyhow, guys... Uh, yeah, we'll be talk. We'll be catching up with Russia and Ukraine, guys, because uh, like I like I was going to say, I said right out of the gates, Putin needed to go in and get this operation done as quick as possible, because if he did not, then uh, well, that threatened itself, threatened the entire operation and the outcome of that operation, and and here we are, like what, three months later, four months later, almost actually. Two days will be uh, three full months, February to March, March to April. Yeah, two, in two more days, he went in on February 27th, right? Or was it the 24th, right? We're either a day removed or two days ahead, guys. I can't remember what date it was, but, you know, uh, he's still there, right? Still taking out those Nazis. And, and uh, so we're going to just catch up with that today, guys. We're going to catch up, catch you all up on what the sitch is in Ukraine with Russia's special military operation. Uh, because, of course, uh, throughout all of this time period, uh, we've had just, you know, the most uh, silliest headlines coming from Western-backed press, the legacy media. That's right. You know them. You hate them. And I use that word very loosely, Right. The shame stream, lame stream, fake news, legacy, mockingbird, propaganda, pedophile press. You know, guys, they just come up with these headlines, right? Uh, Putin is dying of uh, kidney failure. And uh, everyone is turning on Putin. And I think it was, uh, I don't know, sometime in early March that uh, the entire world and every single economic stronghold backed by the West was saying what? Russia is going to go bankrupt. Russia is going to fall, economically speaking, because of illegitimate Joe's non-effective um, sanctions against the country. And, and here we are, two, three months about later, and Russia still has not fallen, economically speaking, which really has uh, to cause one to wonder about this entire food shortage thing either, right? Well, I've always been one to contend, ladies and gentlemen, that there is no such thing as a food shortage, period. 
the only thing that is keeping food away from the starving or the hungry people, aside from location, right, uh, would be uh, bureaucrats and red tape and, uh, let's face it, uh, corporations and businesses, right? I mean, if they really cared about people starving, uh, maybe they would just, I don't know, for a week, a day, a month, feed the people. I mean, just feed them. After all, they're going to be the ones that are going to be, uh, you know, uh, um, paying for your uh, salaries and uh, all of your products and manufacturing in the end, right? I mean, come on, right? There's enough food out there, guys, to feed the people, just as there's enough land out there to keep us from being overpopulated on this planet. But I guess those are topics for another day, ladies and gentlemen. Those are topics for another day. Thank you all again for tuning in as we get started. Now, tonight is the tonight is my short night, right, guys? I got to keep it down to two hours, okay? Because then I got to prep to head on over to uh, the Speak Uneasy so we can... Uh, Perform another episode, perform another episode, that's kind of weird, right? So that we can uh, participate in another episode of This Is News over at the Speak Uneasy's channel. If you guys have never heard of the Speak Uneasy, uh, you can catch him over at Foxhole Pilled, um, as well as uh, Twitch, and I think like on Facebook and Twitter as well. But uh, anyhow, anyhow, so got to keep it down to two hours, guys. Got to keep it down to two hours tonight. Um, uh, by way of quick um, housekeeping, please don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoy this broadcast, this live stream, you can also catch it in podcast format. Uh, and our audience is starting to rebuild itself over there after about, I don't know, about um, almost a month of um, stagnation. We were... All of our episodes were just like, they weren't erased, but uh, they were inaccessible. Uh, got that fixed. So uh, audience is back building over at the podcast. That's over at anchor.fm slash the C report, where you can get this very pod, this very live stream on podcast. We'll probably have it uploaded a little later tonight after uh, this is news with the speak Uneasy. And, uh, you know, actually, you know, uh, you can also check out This Is News at my Rumble page. So uh, make sure if you're watching on Rumble or if you have a Rumble account, go and suss out. Of course, that is with no pun intended to Michael Sussman. Suss out Mr. CTV on Rumble. Uh, really easy to find if you type in Mr. with the period CTV and uh, the C report. My stuff will pop up right away or just type in something really obscure that no one else talks about, but I put in the title, right? Like, I don't know, Maria Zach or Italy Gate, right? Or, uh, I don't know, uh, Tori Says or something. And, and you'll find, you'll find uh, the account there. But anyways, The Sea Report, that's anchor.fm slash The Sea Report. Uh, follow along, subscribe for free at your favorite podcast player. And again, I will use this word loosely. You hate them, but you know them. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Go Ogle Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Podbean, Stitcher, and a whole dozen other independent type of podcast platforms. You can take us on the go, ladies and gentlemen. Take us on the go. Make sure you also follow us over at Truth Social if you have a Truth Social 
Oh, what am I doing here? And uh, that's at MRCTV, Truth Social, at MRCTV. You can find Mr. CTV and The Sea Report. If you're wondering, if you're like new to the audience, why I say Mr. CTV, MRCTV, it's because I do other, uh, I do other shows and live streams on this uh, channel. You know, we got uh, Sea in the Dark. We got uh, Lone Star News finally making its return. We uh, live stream um, or watch party, you know, uh, the Save America rallies, uh, Senate hearings, uh, you know, uh, commissioner hearings, uh, forensic audit reports. We do all of that here as well. You can find clips and actual hearings on the channel. So good stuff, guys. I think uh, I think entertaining, if not slightly, and always as informative as possible right? Also available at Gab over at MR underscore CTV. If you're a Gabber mm -hmm, or you're a truther, you can find Mr. CTV and the C Report and myself, Mr. C there, uh, having fun behind my screens, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, welcome on into the show, Disco Ball Chaser. Thank you for dropping the links in the chat room. Much appreciated. Skeeter Burke, is currently stuffing her face. Got plenty of rain last night. Glad you are safe, Sean Joe. Good afternoon, good evening, and uh, thank you again, sir, for gifting the cookie to the show. Uh, you know, by way of support, guys, uh, over at the Foxhole, they have like this uh, pretty nifty, um, a su supportive uh, donation system. So if you ever hear me saying thank you for gifting the cookie, thank you for gifting a, the can. Or, or the ever elusive fleet, or uh, what? What is that one? Right, that's like a lot, right? The uh, the um, uh, MP EMP, right? The EMP, right, guys? Uh, that's what I'm referring to, right? If I'm like, thank you for giving me some sunglasses. Thank you for throwing the phone this way. And that's what I'm talking about. I mean, of course, you can also support. Um, Mr. CTV in other ways as well. If you appreciate the broadcasting, there is a, uh, a monthly or a donation ability or a, a monthly uh, subscription also available at the podcast over anchor.fm uh, uh, slash the C report. So I actually thank any of our subscribers out there for, uh, you know, continuing to support the broadcast on the podcast side. It all goes to the same thing, guys. It keeps the lights on and trust me, it's not, uh, it's not always inexpensive to run a live stream like I do here, guys. Got the monthly reoccurring fees and the annual fees to keep the show going. So uh, any donations that come this way are greatly appreciated. I might as well just throw this in the mix. You know, we also accept Cash App. Uh, dollar sign M-A-C-X-5-X-5 if you have a Cash App. You can send donations this way. Uh, I had to, uh, to thank a couple of individuals, a uh, good friend, Russ, and a uh, good friend, Mark, for sending some donations in the last couple of weeks. Uh, also available at PayPal. Uh, PayPal, our address there is um, at MACX99336. So, you know, uh, everything, every bit goes to keeping this broadcast on the air, right? And making sure I can turn the lights on. All right. This is what I do, guys. So I appreciate it, as always, ladies and gentlemen, for your support and for your um, generosity. Always, always. And, and what do we got here? Going, what is going on in the chat room? Hey, EWC Crane Up, what's going on? Says, uh, uh, well, actually, first of all, thank you for gifting the go the cookie. <laughs> WC Crane Up, railing on. Good to see you. Thank you for the 117 gold pills and uh, 
Sean Joe just uh, tossed a few cookies my way, sir. Thank you for tossing your cookies, sir. <laughs> most appreciated. Most appreciated. Now, WC Cranop says, um, what should have been uh, three, what should have been beautiful days, but they been hammering the skies. Uh, MFers, and I don't spend much time outside while that's going on, right? Yeah, I mean, we had uh, pretty heavy storms coming through Texas last night. WC Cranop, I hope you're safe in your neck of the woods. If not, at least uh, being denied nature, right? Uh, WC also says Russia has control of uh, the central bank in their country. Mm -hmm. Now, I've been saying that, guys, uh, since my days back at the Federal Reserve, right? No, I didn't work at the Federal Reserve, but I most definitely uh, talked a lot about that entity. You know, that's actually my theory, right? And uh, our, our, our audience is, um, is light enough. I don't think we have other content creators lurking in the bouts, right? But uh, uh, my, my working theory has always been this, guys. It's always been this. Obviously, if the globalists, the media, uh, you know, the uh, deep state politicians and all of their ilk uh, have assigned specific countries as our enemies, think about whether or not that country has sovereignty over itself, right? Think about Libya, right? What was Gaddafi doing? Now, we know he was a terrible murderer. We know he killed a lot of people. Um, but in his later years, right, trying to reform, maybe turn over a leaf, building up northern Africa, uh, you know, disconnecting from the central banks, creating a gold-backed currency, right? Think about it, guys. Russia's the same. Russia's the same, just as W.C. Cranop points out in his comment, Right. What other countries are like that? Hmm. Assyria? Do you think Syria? Think Syria is tied to the central banks of uh, the Western influence? Eh, probably not. Right. Iraq? Iran? Well, I think Iraq is now, actually. Uh, but Iran, still not. Now, I'm not saying that they're not bad guys or bad people or bad actors. I'm just saying that's a pretty good motive for, uh, you know, the Western banks, the Western influences to want to just destroy those nations. Ladies and gentlemen, just ask Kennedy, right? Just ask Kennedy. Ask Alexander Hamilton. Well, you know, why did I say Alexander Hamilton? That's just, um, that's just like, uh, where's my brain right now? Ask Andrew Jackson, ladies and gentlemen, although old Hickory well, assassination attempts on his life, but uh, he's been the only president who has successfully unchained us from those moneyed interests. He was my favorite president up-until Donald Trump. Anyhow, uh, W.C. Cranop's um, comment goes on to say, Russia has control of their central bank and no real national debt, lots of liquid assets, yet, yes, that's um, an unintentional pun. <laughs> Lots of liquid assets there, WC Cranot. Lots of liquid assets. But yeah, yeah. So that's always been my working theory as far as uh, nations that we're assigned to war with, guys. Always been my working theory. It's steady so far, that theory. It, it stands pretty steady, right? Stands pretty steady. So anyhow, guys, all right. Now we got to jump into it. Of course, we will open with our customary President Trump truths. Before we jump into Mother Russia and her excursion against the Nazis, and that's 
really what this is you know about i mean every single time russia has been uh, accused of invading a country right last i checked russia was still not occupying georgia right uh, last i checked russia was not uh, occupying crimea okay uh so anyhow anyhow uh let's get into our uh I was going to say our Putin statements. Let's get into our Trump statements, our Trump truths for today. We only got about three to share with you. So here we go, ladies and gentlemen. First one says, a very big and successful evening of political endorsements. All wins in Texas, 33 and 0 for full primary list. Arkansas and Alabama. A great new senatorial candidate and others in Georgia overall for the cycle. 100 wins, 6 losses, some of which were not possible to win, and 2 runoffs. Thank you, and congratulations to all. You know, so that's why, you know, we're taking a little bit of a break here, guys. You know, I mean, um, we're taking a little bit of a break by going into Russia today, guys. So breathe easy, guys. Because if you have any interest whatsoever, well, you're going to learn a few things tonight. Some pretty interesting points coming out of the Eastern Hemisphere. But yet, you know... We covered the primaries last night. The dust is still kind of settling. We'll get back into that tomorrow or Friday, right? And then, of course, uh, there's all this stuff with, uh, you know, this uh, shooting that occurred in Uvalde here in Texas. Speaking of which, President Trump has a few statements on that. So we'll go ahead and read those before I get off into my Uvalde shooter diatribe. Uh, And it goes this way. The first statement from President Trump, America needs real solutions and real leadership in this moment not politicians and partisanship. That's why I will keep my longtime commitment to speak in Texas at the NRA convention, the National Rifle Association convention, and deliver an important address to America. In the meantime, we all continue to pray for the victims, their families, and for our entire nation. We are all in this together. Quickly followed by uh, his first statement on the matter, goes like this. Uh, So hard to think or report about anything else after watching the Texas um, school massacre, which took place yesterday. Uh, Thank you to the great wisdom and bravery of our law enforcement professionals and condolences to all who are suffering so gravely with the loss of those incredible souls so close to you. No words can express the sorrow and grief of this absolutely horrible event. It is a moment in time which will never be forgotten. And I would definitely have to agree with that, ladies and gentlemen, in that regard. And of course, we have all of these, uh, we have all of these um, political hacks exploitively attacking the Second Amendment and also um, innocent gun owners of America lawful, law-abiding individuals, right? You know, I still cannot believe that people seem to think that uh, restricting guns or taking them away altogether will protect people. I mean, where's the logic in that, right? I guess that they think that criminals abide by the law as well. And uh, that's exactly why, um, you know, uh, we should take away the guns, Because if we take away the guns, there's no way that they're going to fast and furious them (laughs) all the way down to Mexico, right? I mean, uh, criminals are going to get their hands on guns either way, ladies and gentlemen. I think people should learn that, right? 
So yeah, we could we could have gone off into that uh, that one idiot, um, a Democrat that uh, attacked Cruz. I mean, you know, I could I could really care less that he attacked Cruz, but you know the logic, right? And then again, the emotion, ladies and gentlemen, the emotion behind that illogical rant, or I guess a, a fiery attack. Uh, you know, uh, just uh, Schumer trying to do his gun stuff and etc. You know. Uh, so Dana Loesch had some good points on that matter, you know, questions that we should ask, right? Like, uh, uh, you know, how and when did he get his guns? You know, what was going on in his home? Nobody knew what was going on. And she had like several other other very, very uh, thought provoking questions. I think things that people who wanted to not ask only what happened, but also are seeking a solution to these problems would consider instead of just trying to uh, strip away everyone's right to bear arms, okay? Very exploitive, very exploitive, guys. And I think you all would agree with that. You know, and it, it, it is true, guys. It does hit close to home, you know? I mean, I, I know two people keeping, keeping in mind that I am in a city just west of Uvalde. Uh, two people I know already found out last night that they uh, respectively lost a niece and a nephew. Um, so yeah, it does hit close to home, guys. It does hit close to home. And uh, talking, speaking of distractions, right? You know, um, when so many other things are going on, they don't want people to think about Davos. They don't want people to think about 2000 Mules and election integrity. And I'm not saying that that was the impetus of this tragedy, not not by any means whatsoever. In fact, could have reported on all of the uh, updated information on the shooter and apparently uh, the tortured life that he experienced as uh, ah, he was just bullied and a mess and um, negatively charged and hate-filled. Ladies and gentlemen, at least that's the way it seems, you know. And, you know, actually, WC was messaging me earlier about the matter uh, and, and asked if I thought that this could be a possible false flag, right? And, you know, I just, uh, I, I mean, for one, you know, I, I'm, I'm not saying that it is by any means that, guys. Um, I don't think it is, you know, but at the same time, there hasn't been enough on the ground reporting into the entire matter, guys. Don't even get off on the whole Sandy Hook thing, right? We all know what Sandy Hook did, okay? So, you know, my answer at this point would be, no, it's not a false flag. It seems that this was a genuine tragedy and just something that's unconscionable. But, but with all of this uh, exploitation of the uh, Second Amendment rights and standing against it by all of these political operatives and, you know, legacy media hacks, etc., um, it's, uh, it's almost as if, though, they would like shows like this to take the false flag stance, right? They would like shows like this to say, oh, it wasn't real, right? So be conscious of that. Ladies and gentlemen of this audience, fellow patriots, other awake Americans, other content creators, you know, um, th they may want us to go off on that tangent. They may want us to dig down that rabbit hole just so they can discredit us and make us look like, uh, these guys think that this was fake, right? 18, 19 children, two teachers, and a, a, a grandmother in critically con critical condition, and, and uh, these, these Trumpers, right, or these, these uh, right-wing extremists think that this is fake? Well, we are uh, 
No more fake than Beto O'Rourke, right? Okay, we're not even going to talk about that moron, okay? Because Beto is just... He's like, I'm going to take your AK AR-15 now, right? And your AK-47 or whatever. <laughs> whatever, Beto, okay? Take a seat, Beto. You, like Cher, need to take a seat. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> okay, guys. Okay, here we go. Let's get into our um, Russian special military operation in Ukraine updates for tonight. Uh, and, and, and real quick, real quick, I see a bunch of you guys are jumping into the chat room. Thank you for the 159 gold pills, sir. The number sets up, uh, the number set ups there. All right. Uh, cannot see that number from my uh, perspective, but I appreciate you so much. Um, what else do we got? Who else is uh, Awakened Mom is here. Good evening, Awakened Mom. How are you doing? Awakened Mom says, uh, Mr. C, every nation that we slash the deep state that has gone into with war, we're all countries not interested in getting in the Federal Reserve. Yes, I'm so glad all of you guys see it my way, right? I'm so glad. <laughs> Disco Ball Chaser says, Mr. C, you have poutine on the brain? <laughs> no, I don't have poutine on the brain, but I might have potatoes and gravy for a brain. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, what universe are you in now? That's right. Earlier I was in Libya. Well, you know, uh, you know those autocorrupts, ladies and gentlemen, you guys know about the autocorrupt, right? <laughs> hey, Deplore Laura, how's it going on? Uh, good to see you over there in the Twitch chat. Thank you for uh, bringing your light into the room. <clears throat> WC Cranop says, Iraq and beyond, true statement at Awaken Mom before that for different deep state objectives, right? Like regime change, like to get the political advantage, like to destroy countries, right? Indeed, WC Cranop and Awaken Mom are making very fine points this afternoon. Skeeterberg says, when I see a gun-free zone sign, I want to fill it with a buckshot, right? You know, and that's the thing about it, this, you know, uh, you know, maybe we should go on the, uh, the defense, offense, I don't know how that works, you know, and start talking about getting our teachers trained and armed or, you know, having actual, uh, actual, you know, um, law enforcement there of some type. Some schools have it already, right? What are we talking about? Lori Lightfoot Chicago here or what? No, but you know, uh, we actually just shared an article on this last episode of Lone Star News that talked about a school district in the San Antonio area that the people of that town voted to enable teachers to carry in order to protect their children. Now, I don't think it's exploitive at all to raise that and put it on the table in light of this tragedy, because after all, we're talking about a town that is closer to Uvalde than San Antonio, ladies and gentlemen, where that measure was passed by the citizens of that township, you know? So I think that should absolutely be a conversation piece right now for, for all of us, guys. If we're, gonna, if we're gonna go at this at any angle, I would refer you to the Breitbart article about Lavernia, Texas, and the independent school district where the people voted to enable um, their teachers to carry uh, and to uh, be able to defend themselves, right? That's the angle we should be going with, guys. That is definitely the angle we should be going with. Uh, let's see here. Before we get into... All right, guys, you guys are uh, having a blast in the chat room. Excellent. 
Excellent, excellent, excellent. All right, glad you guys could join us this evening. All right, I'm going to try and make this short and sweet. I've got a lot of updates about the Russia special military operation in Ukraine and a couple of videos to share. Let's see if I get out of here by 9 o'clock. Uh, latest 9.30, okay? Anyways, all right. So, again, guys, uh, we had um, um, Putin and the armed forces of Russia going into Ukraine. I still have people who leave comments on my channels particularly on specific channels, right, on uh, specific platforms that are like, you're an idiot. Don't you know that Putin is the enemy of freedom? And I'm like, really? Like, don't you understand that Putin is the enemy of the globalist, deep state, Illuminati, new world, Nazi world order? Like, you haven't figured that out yet? Like, what century are you in, right? What timeline are you in, right? What universe are you in when you haven't figured that out? I mean... If they weren't just shooting their mouth off and they were actually like leftist liberals, they would have already known about the Nazis in Ukraine because all of their publications talked about it for years up until Putin went into Russia. And then, I mean, Putin went into Ukraine and then all of a sudden there's no such thing as Nazis, right? Anyhow, so that's what this has been all about. Well, it hasn't been just about the denazification and the demilitarization of Ukraine. It has been about ending, stopping, halting the genocide that was happening in the Luhansk and the Donetsk um, People's Republics, as they are now referred to, um, otherwise known as the Donbass region in Ukraine, okay? For eight years, and I really, 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 guys, I really wanted to do a Donbass retrospective tonight, but we don't have the time. So maybe in a future episode, we'll walk down the path of what are known as the martyrs of the Donbass, right? All of the people who said, we don't want to be a part of Ukraine. We don't want to be part of the European Union. We don't want to be part of NATO. And we don't want to be run by a bunch of Nazis embedded in the government of Ukraine. And they are, guys. Uh, whether or not you choose to believe it, they're still there, you know? They're still there. Whether you believe it or not, right? They are there. You know, it, it all started with the, um, the um, Nazi battalions becoming part of their National Guard and their military. And it just went crazy from there, y'all. It just went crazy from there, right? Like, we're talking, like, neo-Nazi, Nazi, extreme right-wing, ultra-nationalist, or f extreme left-wing. I mean, it's, it's, it's the same thing once you get that far on the spectrum, right? Um, uh, who are leaders of political parties... Who even people like Victoria Newland, that's right, Victoria Newland, as well as the former uh, Ukraine ambassador, um, who is a, a Pyatt, Stephen Pyatt, or some, something Pyatt, Ambassador Pyatt, right? That they, they, they um, game planned having their man in after the Maidan coup to be talking with these ultra nationalist Nazi political leaders. As his wingman, they're like, well, he'll need to talk with this guy and that guy for sure. And they'll have to be his wingman through all of this. That's right, guys. That's right. Victoria Newland, she should be right there alongside with Jocelyn Benson as far as the treason charges go, right? And the crimes against humanity uh, and the war crimes as well. Because she wargamed that entire thing, guys, pretty much, right? So uh, it's been about freeing the people of the Donbass region, ladies and gentlemen from the genocide because they didn't want to be part of Ukraine. 
you know, uh, Ukraine decided to pull a Georgia South Ossetia move, Ossetia move, move there and just started killing the people for eight, the last eight years we've had, uh, we've had, um, people from the Donbass region being killed. And, and, you know, it's not even by the Ukrainian military, it's by their Nazi affiliates, right? Uh, well, I, I, it is their military, but not only that, you know, bring in war, war, war hogs and bring in, you know, people with just a thirst for blood and death and mercenaries hiring, you know, we have firms from America here, guys who are fighting for Ukraine, right? That's why I think, and I'll just say this real quick, I think that any of these, uh, these, these military firms, right? These, these extra military types of operations should be illegal, right? Any of these consulting agencies, they should all be illegal. They should be ended. They should not be allowed to exist, right? You know, other than the militia, right? There should not be some uber extra military operating, you know, uh, a firm or company or whatever it is, right? Should not exist. Should not exist. Period. They should be totally outlawed. They should be totally illegal. Because then you have them because they're getting paid going over there to support the Nazis. I wonder if they feel like damn fools, right? When they're over there fighting with the Azov Battalion and they realize that they're Nazis because they got white power tattooed on their shoulders and their calves. It's for real, guys. It is real. We've shown you guys the footage. Wonder what they think about. I mean, you know, I wonder if they have to question. I wonder if they have that type of moral integrity. Okay, I'm getting off onto too many soapboxes here, guys. Uh, all right, so uh, let's see. What's the first story we got to share with you? Who's this man? That is Lavrov, ladies and gentlemen. Lavrov, he's like uh, their Ministry of Defense dude, okay? And, uh, well, you know, quick update. Recently uh, discovered or announced that uh, in addition to... Uh, the sanctions on um, uh, United States citizens as per going into Russia, right? Who, who do we ban? Victoria Newland, Biden, Kamala Harris, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Jake Sullivan. Well, it looks like uh, they've added 963 additional Americans to that list. They can no longer enter into Russia. Let's see what the article has to say. Russia permanently bans 963 Americans from entering the country. Russia has permanently banned 963 Americans, right? I feel like I'm getting a little bit repetitive here. From entering into the country in retaliation for the United States sanctions over Moscow's invasion of Ukraine, the Russian Foreign Ministry on May 21st published an updated list of United States citizens subject to its travel sanctions. The move comes as a response after the United States and allies imposed... Sanctions on Russia over its February 24th invasion. Again, this is Epoch Times. Of course, they still call it an invasion. Come on, you haven't figured out it's a military operation by now, Epoch Times? Really? Anyhow, I thought you guys were against communism. Anyways, the list includes previously announced individuals, including illegitimate Joe, Hills Up Harris, um, Phony, Anthony Blinken, uh, Darth Lloyd Austin, Joint Chiefs of Staffs, uh, uh, Mark Victoria Milley, and... Um, William Mr. Burns, CIA director. Also on the list are others, uh, other members of Biden's administration and hundreds of Democrats and Republican lawmakers in both the House and the Senate. Oh, diggity. 
Former lawmakers and officials, as well as business executives, journalists, and others are also banned from Russia. They include former Secretary of State, Secretary of Snakes, Hillary Clinton, Biden's son, Hunter Biden, Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, and billionaire investor George Soros. Actors Morgan Freeman and Rob Reiner also made the list. <laughs> the two have worked to support a nonprofit group founded in 2017 called the Committee to Investigate Russia, which seeks to counter Russian interference in U.S. elections. Right. I guess uh, they're just sitting over there twiddling their thumbs. Right. Rob Reiner was probably sucking on his thumb, actually. After he sticks it in God knows how many orifices. And uh, what, do, what do they got to do over there, right? Probably not a whole lot going on on that front, you know? Probably not a whole lot at all. Anyhow, that's what Reiner and Freeman were up to. Reiner is on its advisory board while Freeman had spoken in a video produced by the group that year, which referenced alleged Russian interference in the 2016 U.S. presidential election. I wonder if a Freeman's going to be like, uh, I'm sorry, folks, but I was just acting. Now that it's all been proven to have been false, like, I don't know, about two or three years ago. Anyhow, we emphasize that the hostile actions taken by Washington, which boomerang against the United States itself, will continue to receive a proper rebuff, Russian foreign minister ministry said in a statement that was the Lavrov guy, right? Accompanying the updated list, the ministry said that Russia's travel sanctions are a necessary response to the United States sanctions and are aimed at forcing the ruling American regime, which is trying to impose a neo-colonial rules-based world order on the rest of the world to change its behavior, recognizing new geopolitical realities. Russia does not seek confrontation and is open to honest, mutually respectful dialogue, separating the American people who are always respected by us from the United States authorities, who incite Russophobia, and those who serve them, it is these people who are included in the Russian blacklist. Biden, on May 21st, signed legislation announcing another $40 billion in aid to Ukraine, which is inevitably going to go to what? It is going to go towards arming the Nazis in Ukraine. As uh, prostitute Zelensky cries for more money. The Russian Foreign Ministry also said it added 26 names to its list of Canadians banned from entering Russia. The names included defense chiefs, defense industry executives, and Sophie Grégoire Trudeau, the wife of Prime Minister um, Justin Trudeau. <laughs> Her name is probably Greg, and his name is probably Justine. Russia has also banned Jocelyn Paul, Eric Kenny, and Angus Topshi who were named last month as the new heads of the Canadian Army, Air Force, and Navy, respectively, and executives of companies including Lockheed Martin Canada and Raytheon Canada. The new list was published four days after Canada introduced legislation that will ban President Vladimir Putin and about 1,000 members of his government and military from traveling to Canada. In response to sanctions, Russia had already banned Trudeau, Finance Minister Christia Freeland, and hundreds of other Canadians from entering the country. Pretty interesting update there. The sanctions wars continue, guys, but uh, we're not done yet. Here's another interesting story. Was Putin almost assassinated? According to every single legacy media MSM uh, um outfit yeah he's apparently he's been almost uh, assassinated like 5000 times since this whole thing started 
and apparently he's dying and apparently he's in ill health and apparently uh, his heart, his kidney, his pancreas and his and other vital organs are giving out and apparently everyone's poisoning him, etc, 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 right? Uh, psychological operations, guys, you know, got to, uh, got to dampen the morale. Let's see what this article says. It says, uh, Putin survived recent assassination attempt, intelligence official said. Uh, who's intelligence, right? And are they really intelligent? Russian President Vladimir Putin survived a recent assassination attempt that was not reported by the Kremlin, claimed Ukraine's intelligence chief in a new interview. Probably because it was Ukraine intelligence that was trying to assassinate him, I don't doubt. Uh, Kirilo Budanov, Budinov, the chief of Ukraine's defense ministry's main intelligence directorate, made the allegation to Ukraine Pravda while providing a few details. He said the incident took place while Putin was in the Caucasus region just days after the invasion of Ukraine on February 24th. There were attempts to kill Putin, Budinov said. There was an assassination attempt recently by, as they call it, representatives of the Caucasus. This was not in the public domain, a completely failed attempt, but it really did happen about two months ago. Once again, the would-be assassin was unsuccessful, he added. There is no publicity about this event, but it took place, right? Oh yeah, we definitely believe you, Budinov. The Kremlin has not issued a public comment after Budinov's allegations. The Epoch Times could not immediately verify the official's claims and has contacted Russia's Ministry of Defense for comment. Well, we'll see if you get a response to that. After all, you still call it an invasion. Uh, Budinov did not provide any more details and it was not clear if he was referring to Russia's Caucasus region or the Caucasus region that includes Georgia, Azerbaijan and Armenia. An interview with Budinov will be aired Tuesday, according to Ukraine Pravda. Earlier this month, Budinov told Sky News that he is optimistic about rebuffing Russia by mid-August, claiming that it will lead to a change in Russia's leadership. It will eventually lead to the change of leadership of the Russian Federation, Budinov told the outlet. This process has been already launched and they are moving into that way. While speaking to director Oliver Stone in 2017, Putin said that he's survived five assassination attempts since he became the leader of Russia. At the time, the Russian president asserted that he was not worried about his safety. Also on Monday, Defense Secretary Darth Lloyd Austin said that some 20 countries had announced new security assistance packages to Ukraine during a virtual meeting with allies on Monday that aimed at coordinating arms for Kiev with little prostitute Zelensky crying for money. Uh, the countries that announced new packages include Italy, Denmark, Greece, Norway, and Poland. Darth Austin told reporters following a meeting of uh, a meeting of the Ukraine Defense Contact Group, Denmark would provide a harpoon launcher and of course Denmark's can give him a harpoon launcher, right? Anyways, and missiles to defend Ukraine's coast, Austin said. All right, I don't I don't give a hoot about whatever else Darth Austin had to say, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's see where this uh, special military operation is taking aim now, okay? Yeah, you know, Marpol has been in the headlines a lot recently, guys. And again, I wanted to go into a debunked section for today's episode, but again, we just don't have the time tonight. So we'll do a debunked um, segment probably in a future show coming up soon, right? 
Because if I take any longer, this uh, special military operation will be over, right? Uh, maybe not. Uh, but yeah, so Marpol's been in the news a lot recently, guys. Marpol happened... Um, well, I mean, I, I guess it's still been occurring, right? Um, if you uh, recognize the names like Sevastopol, of course, we're talking about that, what, that refinery plant or whatever, that chemical plant, whatever it was, uh, that is in Marpol. And that is the reason why Marpol has been in the headlines a lot. Marpol really was um, a stronghold for the um, ultra-nationalist um, regimes in um, Ukraine, guys, uh, over there, Marpol. Sevastopol, etc. Uh, again, um, I wish I could offer you more information. Uh, needless to say, um, uh, thousands of Ukrainian Nazis have surrendered to Russia in Marpol, specifically in regards to Sevastopol. Actually, I got a video coming up here in a minute that will address that from Putin himself. Um, but where we're at now is, uh, for some time now, at least since the end of April, uh, we've had Russian forces focusing on the Donbass region, that's right. Once again, the Donetsk and the Luhansk People's Republics, respectively, and getting all the Nazis out of there, guys. Now, you know, talking about this special military operation, I will reiterate again, we had a buildup of Russian forces on the Ukrainian border. In truth, he was over 100 miles from the border at the time of this uh, um, sensationalistic um, alarmist, um, you know, uh, uh, wolf crying. And, uh, you know, he, uh, it was assumed that he was going to go in and fight in the Luhansk and the Donetsk region in the Donbass, right? And probably limit his fighting just like he did in South Ossetia with Georgia, right? To that region in order to, uh, uh, free the people of the Donbass to end the genocide, just like he did in South Ossetia with Georgia, ladies and gentlemen, uh, they were not expecting Putin to go all the way into Kiev and all the way clear across Ukraine to get rid of the Nazis. Yeah, that's that's good strategy there, because after all, you're going to end up with Ukraine saying, oh, the Donbass is our region. We don't recognize the sovereignty of the people's uh, republics of Luhansk and Donetsk. We don't care if they had a referendum. We don't care. This is our region. This is Ukraine. Nine, nine, nine. I am Zelensky. Nine. Sieg Heil, says Zelensky, right? And then he throws up a stiletto and does a backflip death drop for all of his Johns. Okay? So, uh, you know, clearly, clearly Ukraine still would have been there with their Nazis. Still would have been shelling and bombing and killing people in the Donbass. So uh, Putin said, well, we're just going to demilitarize and we're just going to denazify this here land and uh, this here uh, gateway to Russia, right, to the east. And, uh, well, you ain't going to do nothing about it, right? And clearly they haven't. Clearly they haven't, ladies and gentlemen, because, uh, well, we still got prostitute Zelensky crying for more money. He's right. All right. I was in five of your beds last night. Shell it over. Anyhow, so uh, the Donbass region is where Russia has really been focusing all of their efforts at this point. Uh, they left, uh, I think, the equivalent of a battalion or two, 2,000 soldiers in Marpol to handle Sevastopol, right? And to get rid of those Nazis and free those people. That's right. The people of Ukraine who've been used as human shields by the Nazis, right? Right on par with... Uh, with terrorists like, uh, you know, ISIS, etc. 
but uh, so that's where they've been, guys. That's where they've been. We got uh, an article here. Russian forces have focused their efforts on attacking and capturing the city of Severodonetsk. Donetsk. Severodonetsk. I'm doing my best here with the pronunciation, ladies and gentlemen, in the Donbass region of Ukraine. The article says, now this is a legacy media article, guys, so it's going to have some bias. Beware. It says Ukraine local officials said Wednesday that uh, uh, Russia's uh, focusing on Severodonetsk. Uh, Siri Haidai, head of the regional military administration in Luhansk province, said Severodonetsk is the last major city in the province not already under Russian control. Luhansk and Donetsk provinces, or People's Republics now, their sovereign entities, make up the greater Donbass region, which Russia recognizes as separate from Ukraine, right? Severodonetsk, Severodonetsk is barely alive, Haiti or Heidi, Heide told the New York Times they are killing our cities, destroying everything. He said a bombing Tuesday killed six people in Severodonetsk. Meanwhile, a Russian strike on the nearby town of Kramatorsk destroyed an apartment building. Okay, that's the other one, guys, that I was trying to remember. Now I'm going to reset my clock here. Just give me a second. And we'll talk about Kramatorsk, because uh, if you... Right? Same thing with, uh, with uh, blowing up the hospital and the, uh, the infirmary and, and, you know, the, the infant zone or the baby place, right? Um, oh, yeah, yeah. It was definitely uh, Russia that did that. Well, we figured that was also a lie, right? On the part of the Western media, as well as those who are uh, managing this entire... Uh, this entire um, 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 battlefront, ladies and gentlemen. And then, of course, Bucha, the massacre of Bucha and the mayor and it, their their family. Yeah, that, again, also debunked, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, it's interesting how they continue their lies, right? Russia, 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 right? Impeach, 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 right? Collusion, collusion, collusion. They just keep on repeating it as if though no one else knows what's going on out there. It says uh, Russian forces are seeking to gain greater control of eastern Ukraine to create an overlord route to the Crimea uh, overland route to the Crimea Peninsula, which Russia annexed. And really, how do they figure that? How do they figure that uh, Putin's just trying to create a little pathway to Crimea, and that's what he wants the Donbass region for? Really, really? I mean, come on, seriously. Um, Heydai, or Heyday, warned, though, that Luhansk has not been completely cut off, the BBC reported. He said the Ukrainian forces are attempting to prevent Russia from capturing the road to Bakhmut, which would allow Russia to surround Severodonetsk. As of now, Heyday said humanitarian aid still was getting through to the city. No thanks to the Ukrainian Nazis, right? Some 15,000 civilians remain there. Haide accused Russia of attacking civilian infrastructure in Severodonetsk. They can't take the city, so they have decided to try to destroy it and to make our troops leave the city. Really? We've seen in all three other scenarios that it was, in fact, the Nazis who were shelling their own cities. I mean, uh, it's been stated as a fact. It's been debunked. It's been reported. And we got eyes on the ground over there, guys. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. The Institute for the Study of War think tank in Washington, D.C. said Wednesday that Moscow most likely plans to make smaller gains in the east. 
Russian forces have likely abandoned efforts to complete a single large encirclement of Ukrainian forces in eastern Ukraine and are instead attempting to secure smaller encirclements, enabling them to make incremental measured gains. Oh, really? You think so? Study of War Institute? In an update Wednesday, the UN Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights said 3,974 civilians have been killed and 4,654 injured since the start of the fighting in February. Of course, they're not putting any of that account onto uh, the Ukrainian tab, right? Most of the casualties were caused by explosive weapons with a wide impact area. All right, so so saith the legacy media about that situation. Who is this, uh, who's this nutter butter on the screen? This is, um, oh, whoops. I seem to have gotten uh, my, where are you at? Huh. Sorry, I'm looking for my little banner here to put up for you guys to see the correct, here it is. That's the one we're looking for. This nutter butter on the screen, that is Russian Defense Minister Sergei Shoigu, okay? Now, he's going to explain why Russia has slowed down in the Donbass region, and he's also going to explain uh, what the uh, Institute of War thought there uh, says about um, t making smaller gains. Uh, is that really what's going on? Are you really paying attention to anything? Institute of War thought criminals... Think tank. It goes this way. Moscow explains Ukraine operation slowdown. So this is this is as of uh, today or yesterday, guys. So this is of timeliness. We're not talking about Kiev anymore. We're not talking about uh, uh, any of the other regions, Lviv or anything like that. It says the slowdown of Russia's military operation in Ukraine is intentional with a view of, to evacuating the population and avoiding casualties among civilians. Russian Defense Minister Sergei Shoigu insisted on Tuesday, Russia's armed forces are creating humanitarian corridors and announcing ceasefires to ensure the safe evacuation of residents from encircled settlements. He explained, despite this approach, stalling the progress of the country's forces. Um, let's see here. Um, Shoigu explained, of course, this slows down the pace of the offensive, but it is being done deliberately to avoid civilian casualties. Unlike the armed forces of Ukraine, Shoigu outlined, Russian troops are not carrying out strikes on civilian infrastructure where there may be people nearby. Instead, identified firing positions and Ukrainian military facilities are being hit with high precision weapons. The defense minister also claimed that Western countries, fearing the defeat of Kiev's forces, are expediting shipments of lethal aid to Ukraine and are sending additional military advisors and personnel from private military companies, adding that the number of foreign mercenaries in the country has already exceeded 6,000. And uh, that statement actually back up, backs up a statement from Zelensky that said there's like 7,000 7, some odd members of their armed forces. You know, you know what this article just reminds me of, guys, something I never got to share with you all when he's saying that Western countries are sending in um, uh, military advisors. L let me see if I can't, you know, uh, here I go, guys, going down a rabbit hole. But, you know, it's, it was an, it's, it's information worth sharing, I think. Um, let's see here. Um, U.S. Canadian uh, military officials. 
found in Maripol. Well, we'll put, what was it called? Avestable? I already forgot what it's called. Avestol. As Azovestol. Sorry, guys. I'm having a brain fart. Okay. Uh, let me see if we can't figure out this article. Um, maybe I should put Marpole in there. Uh, got got an article right here at the top. I'm just going to read off. Although not officially confirmed by Moscow, some Russian media outlets report a Canadian general... Uh, Trevor Kudo um, has been captured by the Russians in Azovstal. And that's that's what I'm missing there, Azovstal. So yeah, no, and apparently it was not just Canadian. It was also, it was also uh, um, some American, some British. Um, Azovstal. Yeah, I got a lot of stuff. U.S. General Eric Olson did not surrender in Kiev. What, was he killed? <laughs> oh, that's a fact checker. Anyways, okay, give me some time, guys, and I will circle back on this story, okay? Um, but uh, definitely uh, something worth looking into. And, and why aren't these people being held to account? I might ask, and I might add, in that regard, right? Okay, so let's finish with this article about Shoigu and his uh, comments. However, despite punitive sanctions on Moscow and the extensive help provided to Kiev by the West, Shoigu maintains that Russia will continue its special operation until all its objectives are achieved. Um, he again insisted that the current situation in Ukraine was the result of the West refusing to take into account Russia's proposals to resolve key issues regarding its national security concerns, which included the cessation of NATO's expansion to the east and the non-deployment of strike weapons near Russia's borders. Everything was done exactly the other way around. The United States set a course for the complete dismantling of the existing international security architecture, accompanying it with the global deployment of an anti-missile defense system and the development of medium-range and shorter-range missile systems, he said, adding that NATO was right on Russia's doorstep and had significantly increased its combat potential. Shoigu also noted that the United States-led bloc had in intensified its efforts to get Ukraine to join and deployed coalition military infrastructure on its territory and turned the country hostile against Moscow. Russia attacked its name. Okay, we don't need we don't need the catch up. We already know what's going on there. So there you go. The Kremlin has since demanded that Ukraine officially declare itself a neutral country that will never join the U.S.-led NATO military bloc. Kiev insists the Russian offensive was completely unprovoked and has denied claims it was planning to retake the two republics by force. Even though we found out that there was intelligence that showed. Ukraine was about to take a major offensive into the Donbass to just probably kill everybody, right? All right, there is Lavrov. Lavrov, again, ladies and gentlemen, let's see what um, is going on with him. Lavrov, I guess would be the easier way to say it. Lavrov talks strategy. Let's see what's going on in this regard. He explains Russia's geopolitical strategy, talking about the Minsk protocols and also Ukraine's refusal to um, comply with them. 
Uh, Moscow expects increased economic cooperation with China as the West takes a more dictatorial stance in global affairs. Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov, or Lavrov, yeah, I said it right, Lavrov, warned on Monday. Russia intends to build relations with independent countries and will decide how to deal with the West if and when it comes to its senses, he added. Lavrov told students at the Primakov School, which is an elite Moscow educational institution named after one of his predecessors, that now that the West is taking the position of a dictator, our economic ties with China will grow even faster. In addition to direct income to the treasury, this will give us the opportunity to implement plans for the development of the Far East and Eastern Siberia, he added. The majority of projects with China are concentrated there. There is an opportunity for us to realize our potential in the field of high technology, including nuclear energy, but also in a number of other areas. Addressing the ongoing turmoil in Ukraine, Lavrov said the, that Moscow had tried to resolve the Donbass crisis by having Kiev implement the Minsk Protocol, but the West only pretended to care about the talks and instead encouraged the arrogant position of the Kiev regime. Now the West is reacting furiously to Russia, defending its absolutely legitimate fundamental interests, Lavrov said. Western leaders shout slogans and declare they must defeat Russia or make Russia lose on the battlefield without understanding the history or nature of Russia, he added. They must have done poorly in school, said Lavrov. I am convinced this will eventually end. The West will eventually recognize reality on the ground. It will be forced to admit that it can't constantly attack the vital interest of Russia or Russians wherever they live with impunity. I don't know, Lavrov. I don't know if the West will eventually recognize reality. If and when, I think the people of the West need to uh, hold their uh, leaders accountable and maybe then they'll realize it, right? If and when the West can, comes to its senses and wants to offer something in terms of resuming relations, Russia will seriously consider whether we will need it or not, the foreign minister told the high schoolers. Moscow is not just implementing a strategy of import substitution in response to anti-Russian sanctions, but must stop in any way being dependent on the supply of anything from the West and rely on its own capabilities and those countries that have proven their reliability and act independently, Lavrov explained. Very interesting, huh? Very interesting. All right. Uh, uh, I think they call that isolationism, isolationalism, right? He's an isolationist. Is that what Putin has become? I don't know. Let's find out in this... Um, Interesting conversation between Putin and um, United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and uh, if you're paying attention, you know, Putin will tell you everything about the Minsk protocols. He'll tell you about the genocide in the Donbass. He'll tell you about what's really going on in Maripol with uh, Azov. As of stall. I don't know why I cannot pronounce that name right now. Anyways, okay. So, um, oh, so let's get it rolling, guys, because our time is a short, and we're doing good on time. But still, you know, this is gonna, this is it's it's interesting enough to include, guys. So let's go ahead and give it a gander. First, allow me to make sure we have optimum sound coming in, ladies and gentlemen. There we go. There we go. Enjoy. Can you hear me? 
hear the translation? Is everything okay? Perfect, Mr. President. Mr. Secretary General, I'm very happy to see you as one of the countries founding members of the United Nations and a permanent member of the UN Security Council. Russia has always supported this universal organization and we believe that it is not just a universal organization but a unique organization in its way. There is no other organization such as this in the international community and we support in all ways the principles of all their people as a human shield if they're there. We're in touch with them with those who is uh, holed up there in uh, the basements of the Azovstal works. They also have good examples. Uh, their comrades in arms uh, have uh, left and uh, laid down their arms. More than a, uh, a thousand people, uh, 1,300 actually, and nothing has happened to them. If you want to see uh, uh, esteemed uh, Secretary General and the representatives of the Red Cross and the United Nations, how they're being kept and where and how medical assistance is being provided to wounded. To the wounded, we can uh, help you. This is the easiest solution of this difficult uh, or seemingly difficult issue. Let's. Okay, all right, there you go. Putin handing it up, guys. <laughs> Putin hand you, they lied to you. Clearly, you don't have a brain of your own. Uh, esteemed United Nations Secretary General, whatever the heck his name is, Antonio Banderas. Ah, right. No, it's not. It's not Antonio Banderas. It's not Antonio Banderas. But yeah, I mean, come on. I mean, he's like uh, the people. We have corridors from Russia and corridors from Ukraine. That's not the way I understood it. Not from the jump. From the way I understood they were coordinated with the Red Cross together from the beginning, right? But whenever the Ukrainians decided they wanted to uh, up and leave, well, it seems that the um, <clears throat> the Nazi forces of the Ukraine army would just uh, shoot them up, ladies and gentlemen, is what it seems. All right, guys. Well, there you go there. I mean, I thought that was a pretty interesting uh, uh, back and forth there. It was more forth than back, right, by um, uh, President Vladimir Putin. Uh, do you guys think that he looks ill, right? Do you, when was it that? It wasn't during um, Victory Day. I have, like, an errant mosquito in here, guys. I don't know where the heck it came from, but I'm like, is it one of them COVID mosquitoes? You know, I can actually... Oh, it's not a mosquito. It's a gnat. Oopsie. <laughs> it landed on the computer. My bad. <laughs> There goes my entire, okay, audience. Uh, we're back, guys. Okay, sorry about that. I was trying to kill a gnat. All right, uh, so yeah, what was I saying? I can't remember what else I was saying. Uh, but anyhow, 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 yeah, lies. Liza Minnelli lies, ladies and gentlemen, because uh, these people are being handled and they are just doing what they are told. Okay, all right, now I got a better view of what is going on here. Okay. All right, guys, so in the interest of time, you never would have known it, right? Unless I were, were not saying it. Uh, had to, uh, we'll have to cut a few stories, guys, because this could go long, right? I just, uh, I overshoot every time, don't I? Uh, so uh, let's go on into this topic here. And there's some pretty juicy stories, but it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. 
It's okay. We don't need to hear about Kissinger. We don't need to hear about uh, Karina Yushchenko, right? We'll, we'll talk about them next time. We'll talk about them next time. So the question du jour is then what is really happening in Ukraine? What's going on in the Donbass region? Now, I would like to turn my uh, audience and also anyone else out there who uh, has interest in this, or maybe they have a show of their own. Um, the Donbass Insider is one of the outlets that I will turn to to find out information as it is going on in Ukraine. Like, uh, you know, uh, we were kind of uh, chatting there in the, uh, the chat room about, uh, you know, I mentioned that most of the people that I follow as far as getting information on what's going on in Ukraine are actual journalists and reporters on the ground there in Ukraine. So uh, obviously the Donbass Insider, hello, the Donbass region, it's a donbass-insider.com, right? Sharing the sources uh, so you can stay abreast. Uh, here's some of their headlines. Uh, let's see here. Let's start here. Uh, got uh, uh, Svetlodarsk under Russian and LPR control battle at Krasny Liam and encirclement of Severodonetsk. Severodonetsk. Hey, I wasn't done yet. And Lysychansk. Okay, so uh, remember, like I was telling you, uh, the question here is now what is really going on? Well, we're going to tell you what's really going on. They're in the Donbass region, right? Um, Azovstal has been uh, has been taken over. Um, and uh, what else do they got here? Uh, uh, Dmitry Iraq, neo-Nazi and ISIS ally. So here you have the Donbass insider uh, drawing together neo-Nazis befriending ISIS terrorists, right? Let me get myself out of the picture here. Let's fix this. Here we go. All right, there we go. That's better. And uh, I need to do this as well. There we go. That's even better, right? So apparently these neo-Nazis are, uh, you know, uh, um, hanging out and having a good time with uh, ISIS terrorists. Okay, so there's an interesting article there on that. Domino effect of the surrender of Ukrainian soldiers in Azovstal on the rest of Ukrainian troops in Donbass, right? And even more interesting articles, right? Uh, let's look. This one, this one's pretty interesting. I actually got to read this one at some point. Igor Mosoyuchuk says Crimea will be Ukrainian or will be depopulated. So that's the next thing that's coming out of Ukraine. Apparently, Ukraine is making plans to attack and to uh, and to retake Crimea. So keep that on your radar, ladies and gentlemen, because that could be some fallout from this um, from this liberation of the Donetsk and Luhansk People's Republic, guys. That's just looking forward, right? That's looking forward. Like, apparently Ukraine is a planning to attack Crimea. Now, let me just ask you this, guys. If um, Russia annexed Crimea in this bloody, violent annexation, right, um, why would Ukraine need to attack them? Don't you think that the people would go back with open arms? Or do I need to play that clip? of the Russian Crimean gentleman who, when asked uh, if this was uh, Ukraine or Crimea on video, he's all, Russia! Right? They were all very happy about it, right? They were all very happy about it. Um, let's take a look at some of these articles, guys. Let's take a look at them. Let's look at uh, Svetlodarsk under Russian and LPR control. LPR, that is the uh, Luhansk People's Republic, right? As they are a sovereign entity now. Um, battle at Krasny Liam and encirclement of Severodonetsk and Lysychansk. 
Okay, let's see what this has to say as we wrap up tonight's report on Russia-Ukraine special military operation. While the town of Svetlodarsk near Deboltsvesevo has come under the control of Russia and the Luhansk People's Republic, the battle is already raging further northwest in the town of Krasny Liman, and the encirclement of Severodonetsk and Lysychansk is well advanced. An update on the latest frontline developments in the Donbass. On May 24th, 2022, the takeover of Svetlodarsk opposite Deboltsevo and northeast of Gorlatka by Russia and the LPR was confirmed by a video showing the removal of the Ukrainian flag from the town's administration building and its replacement by the Russian flag. The Ukrainian authorities also acknowledged the loss of control over Svetlodarsk. This rapid advance was made possible by the withdrawal of Ukrainian troops who preferred to flee rather than be surrounded and end up like their comrades in Azovstal. After their failed attempt to blow up the dike holding back the water at the Uglagorsk power station, which would have had catastrophic consequences for civilians who would have been drowned by the flooding and no doubt Russia would have been blamed for it, the towns of Luganskoy and Miranovsky, which are in the immediate vicinity of Svetlodarsk, are also now under Russian and DPR, that is... Um, um, uh, Luhansk and uh, uh, the DPR guys. Anyways, I don't know why my, my brain is failing me right now. The detailed map of the uh, Donetsk, right, the Donetsk People's Republic, I apologize. Uh, the detailed map of the Svetlodarsk front area with the Russian and the Donetsk People's Republic controlled towns are circled in red. So you got Luhansk, you got Miravinsky, uh, and you got Svetlodarsk, okay? All under control. And I guess uh, the dam they're trying to blow up was somewhere over here. Anyways, I'm not going to pretend to know. In the Donetsk People's Republic, the battle for the capture of Krasny Liman, renamed Liman by Ukraine following uh, decommunization, continues. The assault on the town was launched by Russian and DPR armed forces on the morning of May 23rd. The troops entered the city from Drobyachevo and Stavka, pardon me, and took control of the northern part of Krasny Liman. On 24 May, the Zelyony Klin district was captured, and the Ukrainian army was driven out of the adjacent forests towards Shurovo, Shurovo where fighting is currently taking place. Fighting is ongoing in Independent Street. Where the administrative district is located, see the map below showing the Russian and the DPR-controlled area of Krasny Liman in red, and the ongoing fighting is symbolized by an explosion sign. I don't see an explosion sign, but maybe I just don't know. Oh, here it is. Here's the explosion sign right here. You see it? It's right there, ladies and gentlemen, right there. Okay, so Ukrainian forces, Russian forces. All right. The main Ukrainian defense is on the railway complex and industrial area of the station, and its artillery operates on the side of the Chalk Mountains near Rygordork, Rygorodok. About 500 Ukrainian soldiers from the 24th, 79th, and 128th Brigades of the Ukrainian Armed Forces and the neo-Nazi Donbass Battalion have already moved to this area of the front. 
Further east in the Luhansk People's Republic, the encirclement of Lysychansk and Severodonetsk is well advanced. Thanks to the capture of Papasanaya, the Russian and LPR armed forces were able to advance very close to the highway linking Artyomask, renamed Bakhmut by Kiev because of decommunization, but apparently not denazification to uh, Lysychansk, putting one of the routes by which the Ukrainian soldiers could have withdrawn within range. The capture of the villages of Vidrosevdenia, Vasilivka, and the road from Artyomask to Lysychansk was confirmed by a Canadian journalist working on the Ukrainian side. Very interesting, right? The only option left for them to escape the encirclement would be the road to Siversk and then Artyomask, yellow arrows on the map below. But at the rate at which the encirclement of Artyomask is advancing, the red arrows, okay, uh, there's the yellow arrows, there's the red arrows, um, that is advancing, the Ukrainian troops need to decide quickly if they do not want to end up in a new cauldron, okay? Keep in mind, guys, this seems to be the last battlefront of this special military operation, the Donbass region, right? They saved that for last. They made sure they got rid of and demilitarized the Nazis in Ukraine proper before they went into this battle, right? And as we speak right now, the United, uh, the NATO, the United States, and all these other countries are sending them deadly arms, ladies and gentlemen. As we can see, contrary to some Western media are saying, Russia is far from being bogged down in Ukraine. The front line is moving fast. Everyday Russia, the DPR, and the LPR are taking under their control new localities, and the future cauldrons are taking shape more and more clearly. Great article there, wouldn't you say? Doesn't it feel good to know what the heck is going on over there? I would say so, ladies and gentlemen. This is the last battlefront, just about, you know? And I think there were some predictions that this would be over by May, end of May, right? So maybe we'll have maybe we'll have two new sovereignties in the region, no more Nazis, and Putin back home by mid-June, guys. WC Cranop, thank you so much for the cookie. And hey, one, two, three, Skiji, I appreciate you lending me some shades tonight. Much appreciated. All right, just a few more articles and we're done and we're done. Domino effect of the surrender of Ukrainian soldiers in Azovstal on the rest of the Ukrainian troops in the Donbass, right? They lost their morale. While more than 2,400 Ukrainian troops in Azovstal have surrendered, this massive surrender has a domino effect on other Ukrainian troops still in the Donbass prompting them to lay down their arms too. Since 16 May 2022, the gradual surrender of Ukrainian soldiers who were surrounded in the Azovstal factory in Maripol has continued. See the video of the surrender of Ukrainian soldiers. Okay, we're going to skip that video. Sorry, guys. A total of 2,439 Ukrainian soldiers surrendered, including the commander of the 36th Brigade of the Ukrainian Armed Forces, Sergei Volyetsky, nicknamed Volin, who surrendered today, followed by the second-in-command of the neo-Nazi Azov Regiment, Zviatstolov Palomar, nicknamed Kal Kal Kalyana, 
And finally, the commander of the neo-Nazi Azov Regiment, Denis Prokopenko. The surrender of the three commanders marked the liberation of the territory of the Azovstal factory, which is now fully under the control of the Russian army and the Donetsk Pub People's Republic People's Militia. The three commanders handed over their weapons to the Russian armed forces and the DPR's People's Militia. Their belongings were searched and they went through the standard procedure like all other Ukrainian soldiers in Azovstal before boarding the buses that took them to the Elonovka Penitentiary Center. This center was visited by the Red Cross, which was able to verify that the prisoners are treated in accordance with the Geneva Convention. The Ukrainian soldiers confirmed to the Red Cross representatives and to a Ukrainian representative that they are being treated well, that they are being fed three times a day, that the food is good, and that they are receiving appropriate care for their condition. This is very different from the treatment given to Russian soldiers captured by the Ukrainian army. And might I add, the January 6th false flag political um, captives as well. That's pretty sad, guys. Pretty sad, right? When we uh, hold our own people to a much lower standard than that of our supposed nemesis arch enemy, Russia. Hmm? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe we could learn a thing or two from them, right? Or maybe the people should learn a thing or two about their supposed leaders. Anyways, article goes on to say, It should also be noted that the profile and condition of the Ukrainian soldiers who left Azovstal to surrender was very different from day to day. Well, on the first day of the surrender, the Ukrainian soldiers leaving the factory were emaciated and appeared to be in very poor condition. The next day, they were relatively clean and well-fed soldiers who surrendered. The difference was in the unit to which these soldiers belonged. In the first day, it was mainly FAU, that's a Ukrainian uh, Armed Forces. Uh, in the first day, it was uh, mainly FAU soldiers who surrendered. The next day, it was mainly fighters for the Azov Regiment. So they're feeding Azov Nazis a lot better than they are Ukrainian armed forces. When inspecting their luggage, Russian and DPR soldiers found a large quantity of canned food, suggesting that the Azov fighters had appropriated the food stocks, leaving the other Ukrainian soldiers to starve. The food situation was very different in the different bunkers in Azovstal, says Igor Kimakovsky, an advisor to the DPR leader who participated in the negotiations. In some places, there were stocks of canned food, fresh water and medicine, and in other places, Ukrainian soldiers were given only 150 grams of porridge and a small piece of bacon per day. Water was taken from the central heating pipes. And if this mass surrender of Ukrainian soldiers from Azovstal is still being deliriously called an evacuation by Zelensky and many in the Western media, it is because the Ukrainian authorities and the Western governments that actively support Ukraine understand that it will have and is already having an effect on the morale of the rest of the Ukrainian troops in Donbass. For example, on 18 May 2022, a video of soldiers from the 115th Brigade of the Ukrainian Armed Forces stationed in Severodonetsk 
currently almost completely surrounded and already taken over by the Russian army and the LPR, Luhansk People's Republic, People's Militia, was published in which the soldiers announced that they were refusing to fight because of a lack of reinforcements, command, and appropriate military equipment. Clearly, the Ukrainian soldiers refused to be used as cannon fodder sent to certain death. In this video, these soldiers from the 3rd Battalion of the 115th Brigade referred to another video from another battalion of the same brigade who also refused to fight. There are between 8,000 and 15,000 Ukrainian soldiers in the Severodonetsk region. This means a large number of potential surrenders of additional Ukrainian soldiers. Massive surrenders of Ukrainian soldiers have already begun in the LPR. Okay, guys, let me just, uh, it's a minute and 45 seconds. I think we can do that, right? We can do that. So uh, let's just see. It's going to have um, captions, so I'm going to have to pause <laughs> for the uh, podcast audience, or I'll just replay. How about that? For the podcast audience, so that this way they are not neglected in this information. Okay, so let's get a rolling. Let's get a rolling. We're already two minutes past the hour, but we're still doing good, guys. All right, here we go. Let me take off that. Okay, there we go. All right. Uh, so this is Sergei Mihailovich, born uh, 7-14-2002. Ooh, he's a baby. He says, I serve at 79th Separate Air Assault Brigade. He says, since 24th, I was at the north of Donetsk, or Donek, then 8th of March, we went to Sevoskaya to take up defense there. He said, in the children's camp with another separate company until the 15th of March. He says, he says, then we went to a place next to the Zelenia Dolina. We sat there for two weeks. He then goes on to say, uh, Then we went to Droboshevo. We sat there for around three weeks. Then they told us to attack. He says, Our commanders ditched us and we did not have a choice. We all surrendered. The interrogator asks, why was the decision to surrender taken? 
He says, we wanted to stay alive. Uh, the uh, Russian interrogator asks, what were your commanders telling you? He says, we called them on their cell phones and they said, if you want, go back to Lehman. Everyone moved back except you. Did, did they threaten you about leaving your position? And he says, yes, up to eight years in prison. Up to eight years in prison if you leave your positions? Yes, yes. Is that why many soldiers surrendered? Yes. But in the end, you still surrendered because of what? It's because they... It's because they it's because they wanted to live, ladies and gentlemen. They wanted to live. All right, let's wrap up with this article. And I got uh let's see here. Well, well, we're doing good, guys. Okay, all right. Thanks again for hanging out, guys. We're almost there. We're at the end of this. We're at the end of this. Okay. Especially since the abandonment of men at the front by their um, commanders, uh, it seems to have become the rule. Thus, the wives of the soldiers of the 103rd Territorial Defense Battalion, the Volksturm in Ukrainian, have discovered that while their husbands are dying on the front, their commander is safe in Lvov. If the surrender of the Ukrainian soldiers at Azovstal has such an effect on the rest of the Ukrainian troops, it is because the fighters of the neo-Nazi Azov regiment, who made up a good third of the soldiers present in the basement of the factory, are among the most fanatical. If even they surrender, why should the conscripts and other Ukrainian soldiers who are far less fanatical go to certain death? without adequate means to defend themselves while their commanders are safe away from the front. It remains to be seen how big this domino effect will be and whether it will be enough to seriously shake Ukrainian defense in the Donbass. That's what's really going on. That's what's up, ladies and gentlemen. That's what's up. Um, so this article here, it's just uh, the Donbass, the battle for Maripol is over, dated uh, April 23rd. Okay, so we won't go through all of this, but this is just another confirmation that uh, the DPR and the Russian army uh, took over um, a Maripol. Okay, it, it says here, um, it says here just in short, on 20 and 21 April 2022, we were in Maripol exploring the territories of the commercial port and the Elitcha factory. Recently liberated by the Russian army and the DPR People's Militia, we found a lot of Ukrainian uniforms, but also bodies of Ukrainian soldiers and civilians, medical equipment from NATO countries, military maps, and booby-trapped basements. So that is that. Again, that was from the Donbass Insider. Azovstal is fully liberated. Russian military. This is from uh, RT, actually. 
so the entire territory of the Avistol factory complex in Maripol has been liberated. The Russian Defense Ministry announced on Friday more than 2,400 people surrounded inside uh, for almost a month, including Ukrainian servicemen and members of the neo-Nazi Azov unit, have laid down their arms and surrendered. So we already went through that information, but there's another article. And uh, I think, ladies and gentlemen, that is debunk. I told you guys I wanted to do a debunk, uh, but we don't got another hour to spare. So, all right, guys, come on, come on. There we go. And there was another source I wanted to share with you guys, but we'll have to do it next time. Uh, but, you know, I hope that wet your whistle for tonight, at least, guys. That's what we do here at the Sea Report. And uh, caught everyone up on the situation in uh, Ukraine, guys. I mean, uh, we're almost at the end of this. Now, um, how effectively um, all of these Nazis have been removed, I guess that remains to be seen. Uh, with all of the weapons that are being flown in, trained in, and trucked in from all of the NATO allies, uh, I don't know if they're going to try and elongate, right? Elongate this um, conflict, and hopefully not. Hopefully not. Hopefully they use precision weapons to take out... Um, <clears throat> All of these uh, these illegal arms are coming in. Uh, WC Cranop says, um, oh, you guys are talking about Kissinger. I'm like, you guys are talking about Kissinger, right? Like, literally, guys, I kid you not. I kid you not. I had a Kissinger story with Russia and Ukraine today, but we just don't got the time for it. Hey, Aurelius Locke. Good to see you, brother. Show's over. Show's, I don't know where you've been hanging out, but the show is over. Okay, guys. Thanks again, everyone, for hanging out tonight. Again, thank you all for the, um, um, the oh, for gifting the cookies, the cans, the shades. 123SKG, 123SKG, 123SKG. Thank you so much. And Skeeterberg tossing a can this way. Thank you for telling me a, a bedtime story. Once upon a time in Donbass. Let me get this freaking, let me get this guy off the screen. Sorry, guys. Like, I can't believe you guys let me keep Kissinger on the screen this long. Okay, let me get him off the screen, okay? <laughs> Once upon a time in Donbass, the neo-Nazis, the Nazi brigades, laid down their arms to the likes of Putin and the Russian forces that are fighting against the Nazi world order and all of their henchmen, ladies and gentlemen. It's been an absolute pleasure. If you didn't get enough of me tonight... Uh, tune in to This Is News with myself and the bartender over at the Speak Uneasy Lounge. You know where to find it at Foxhole Pilled, at Twitch, and I think at Facebook and Twitter as well. Right? Uh, we'll be live in T-minus, oh, I don't know, 45 minutes or so, right? Uh, we'll, we'll take it easy. We won't, we won't be as newsworthy as we are right now, but we will have a lot of fun, guys. So make sure you guys come on over and say hello, at least. Um, but in the meantime, guys, don't forget, follow us over at, well, at Foxhole. Give us a like, right? Favorite the show. Um, continue with them, Red Pills. They're always appreciated. Uh, catching up, actually, with um, all the people that are following over there. So great. Uh, glad glad to see that uh, the show has some support. Uh, it always has at the Foxhole, though. I don't know. Uh, don't misinterpret that statement, please. And then, of course, also, if you're at Rumble, at Twitch, at Clout Hub, if you caught, if you caught this live stream or rebroadcast, 
Make sure you give us a follow. Subscribe for free. Uh, follow me over at MRCTV, Truth Social, at MR underscore CTV on Gab. And don't forget about the podcast version of this show, anchor.fm slash the Report, with multiple podcast outlets for you to catch your C's, ladies and gentlemen. Until next time, as always and forever, be safe, be blessed, and God bless America. We'll see you soon. Take care till then. Bye-bye.